Hello and welcome to the 90 Minute Cynic podcast. I am your host, sorry, co-host. In fact, am I the co-host? Or is it you? Can be whatever you want. I've it's not your house. Yeah, see, the confusion and how we've... Bad start. Off to one. Yeah, because I should have researched whether I was the host or the co-host or just a stand-in guest. Anyway, uh, 90 Minute Cynic uh, podcast, uh, illustrious panel, uh, etc. I'm Chris Gallagher, I'm joined by Christian Wolf. Are we co-hosts or are you, are you hosting? Yeah, no, I'm happy with co-host. Okay, I, good. I don't want the full responsibility in case it goes really wrong. So, Listen, if I'm even in the room, it's not going to go wrong. Am I? Okay. Um, we are surrounded by a handsome panel. Very handsome, very hip. There's hipness in the room. I mean, the jumper you're wearing, Christian, is absolutely insane. It's um, a touch of the Nordica, by the way. I mean, what, you, you got that at a second-hand shop in the West End, I'm betting. It's probably St. Spurs, to be honest. You but yeah, let's go with that. Okay, yeah. lovely stuff. Uh, we That's have where I shop, shop now. Lovely stuff. Uh, we've got Christian Wolf uh, drinking out the Star Trek mug. Sorry, should I have made it like a wee joke or something about the mug? You probably okay. should have. If that was I wasn't ready for that. I was going to have a sip. Just so you're aware, if that was Chris Bowd, it would have been a lot quicker. Would have been fast. <laughs> Chris Bowd is a lot quicker than me. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, Keith McGinty's here. Um, hard G. Um, that's, they're sharing a mic. It's kind of weird. But Hello, there you go. Christopher. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Keith? I'm grand. I'm pumped. I was listening to Hey Everyone by Danana Nana Nackroyd in the way here. That's like a link to something. I don't know what. Um, some sort of segue. It's a segue to the wonderful, the handsome, the hip, the cool. Aaron. The, the, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the injured uh, Paul Carlin. Paul Carlin, hello. Hi. How are you? Great. I'm thrilled to be here. Excited? Yeah, this is a dream come true. I was going to say that. I didn't want to be the one to say that. Uh, but you're injured. What happened? Talk us through your injury. Basically, I am Marvin Compare. You know, like a bit older, bit of intrigue, but grey hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turns up crocked. <laughs> so no, I've got a torn calf muscle. But as I said when I came in, I'm not here to moan. You're not. You're no. here to. Uh, I mean pr- business. You mean business. Yeah. Uh, you look kind of foreign as well. So that's <laughs> have been to Italy. So that you lived in Italy for a bit. Uh-huh. But we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, revisiting Costa Rica recently. Um, Aaron Connolly. Hello, thank you. For how are, on, how are you? Very well, actually, yes. F- former po- footballer, still current footballer, or? Uh, undecided. Undecided. <laughs> probably the best quality footballer we've had on the podcast. To be pod honest, probably the, best pro- trainer, probably the best trainers we've ever Oof. had on the podcast. You, they, so? you can uh, see yourself. They're brand new, but only £27 from the... An outlet store. We will be talking about that after the, <laughs> pro- the podcast. Selling that I can... mills at the weekend. Oh, hello. You know, Aaron was briefly, uh, I'm writing this, teammates with a uh, pal of yours, Tam McManus. Tam McManus, yeah. Actually, a really good guy. Gal's a big fan. D- despite his Twitter escapades. The, the thing about Tam McManus, uh, from what I can understand, is he, like certain other podcast hosts, he says stuff... <laughs> And then he just pulls it back and, you know, talking about... And at certain points he says what's popular, he says it's a little bit controversial, and then he'll just completely negate that. Uh, but listen, that's that's social media. I don't take it too seriously. Um, I do. <laughs> Quite a bit. But then again, I'm a posh boy just trying to right. find my way in the world. Um, I won't mention Chalam Grove to you. So. No, nah, you won't, because I'll get into trouble again. <laughs> uh, so, Christian, uh, I'm going to hand off uh, the Good Ship 90 Minute Cynic podcast uh, to you. Um, I'll pop in now and then. I feel like I'm, I'm actually going over already. When The handover seems to be quite... 
Um, it's taken a long, while. But it's taken yeah. a long time. I feel like I'm like wasting time because I feel like I don't want anyone. <laughs> no, Christian, by the way. Um, Christian, you got a great rundown, so get involved. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, so it's our feature podcast since it's an international break. I thought it'd be a good time to do it. So we had the, the Cynical out. The Cynical is our quarterly magazine uh, with about Celtic, about all other kinds of football. We're trying to make it a bit more. I don't know what we're trying to make it, but it's getting better and better, I think. So we always try to do a podcast just to pick up on a couple of stories we had in the cynical and talk a bit more about them and have a, a rundown of, of the articles and so on. So there's always interesting stuff in there, and I always think they make a, a pretty good podcast. So that's that's why we're here tonight, really. We, we do have questions okay. um, f- that we could put to uh, our illustrious panel um, and a lot of them are just general sort of football questions and Celtic questions. So at any point, if you want to go to Twitter, just let me know because cool. it's not going to be specific. Oh, we'll I usually give all the admin stuff to my my Gareth Keenan. <laughs> I'm kind of the, the David Brent of the operation. He's just just my Gareth, but yeah, that, that's fine. David Brent. David Brent actually had patter, um, so <laughs> maybe not. Nah, okay. fire away, okay, mate. Charlie. No, so um, we're gonna try and obviously talk to. Uh, Aaron and Paul quite a bit about their articles or Paul didn't actually write one he just sat in the pub and, and spoke yeah I wrote uh, it to and, be and fair then, so then you wrote down why don't you um, treat, treat me nice like the and guests? then I had to edit it into something that was readable afterwards so Chris but you got a couple of beers out of it <laughs> I did and it let did it. he buy yeah, we we split the round <laughs> yeah 50-50 we went Dutch <laughs> the first so. interview he had to pay for his own no. <laughs> I've never been tight in my life what's going on <laughs> We're going to start softly with a uh, uh, proper football question. So um, we had a couple of, as we're doing the cynical, it's quite a wide array of, of articles. We had a, a Matt uh, Ryan's article about James Forrest when he's reaching his potential. We also had our front story was Alex Lawrence's article on Christopher Ayer, just a 4,000 words on his dribbling. But that kind of leads up to the first question today. Uh, in terms of getting to that time, you can see in the media on Twitter as well, people starting talking about player of the year, young player of the year. So just wanted to have a wee feel in the panel, see who you think are the SPFL player of the year and the Celtic player of the year and young player of the year so far. It can be it can be a different one. It can be the same one. You can have a Celtic player as player of the year. But I'm going to go to Aaron because I think I know where he's going to go with this for, for uh, the league yeah. and Celtic player of the year. So I think... For me, and again, an honourable mention to James Forrest because I think he's been outstanding at times, but I can't look past Scott Brown and just the, the levels that Scott Brown has reached in the last two two seasons, given that everyone thought he was finished under Dyler, um, it's been quite incredible. And that, not just his fitness, because I think that's what he was maybe lacking and that he was struggling with injury, but just his general play and his gamesmanship and his leadership qualities seem to have come on I've never. I, I struggled to think of a rise so quickly like it in, in one player. Paul, if, if if his leadership qualities were that good, why was he so rubbish on the dialer? And don't say Ronnie Dyla. Well, as I look at him above <laughs> me, looking down, squint. No, I, I don't think. I just don't think he bought into what Dyla was doing. He just didn't want to drink that Kool Aid, you know. And and why should he? You know, Brendan Rodgers and Scott Brown feels like a match made in heaven. Is it not the same Kool Aid, just a bit tanner and? White to teeth, a bit colder. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got to say I've, I agree with Aaron. I think Scott Brown's been. I think he's just untouchable. If you two I, are going to agree on that, I have to split you up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we discussed this before. Uh, no, I think uh, Bruni is. He just sort of encapsulates. 
the the Brendan Rogers era, I think. Um, you know, club captain on the field and off the field, and I think you look at the like the Zenit game recently in particular, the way he just he just absolutely strolled it. He was immense in the last half hour against Rangers when we were down to ten men. The way he just rallied and he got the whole team pumping and working, and that's what a leader should do. You think he's the the league player of the year as well? Yeah. I'd say, I mean, yeah, James Forrest has been brilliant. The improvement in him is is remarkable and great to see because I don't know. I always felt James Forrest was an easy target for the Boo Boys, but there was oh, always no, yeah, they just went over there. <laughs> Let's go to Galher. James Forrest is, is is not the Celtic player of the year. Um, I think it's between James Forrest and Scott Brown. Um, I have been a Boo Boy, but when from a Boo Boy is that a weird term? I've given him criticism when he's deserved criticism. And James Forrest still frustrates the life out of me. For example, watching the Scotland game yesterday, I know it's obviously not Celtic, but there was three or four opportunities yesterday where <clears throat> Forrest is like a, a player who goes on instinct. And when he th- kind of, they used to always say about Theo Walcott as well. When, when he thinks about it, he maybe isn't as uh, successful. And there was two or three opportunities yesterday where it's like just, uh, just, I don't know, you just put your foot through the ball a little bit more, be a little bit more aggressive. Um, but from throughout the entire season, he's scored sixteen goals. He had he's only got four assists, which I think's. If if you're really interested in the stats, um, I'm, really, I'm really not. <laughs> <laughs> it's Ma- fine. Ma- Matt's article goes into that obviously quite in, uh, in big detail because he's he's a stat nerd like myself. But one of the things he was saying about James Forrest this season is he's a lot, he's creating and getting to chances a lot more through the middle. I do think he's evolving his game. Yeah, at the age of 25 now that was funny though because he had so what's the assist before the assist well it's well the, well the key pass well no the assist before the assist yeah so we call it a secondary assist right, so, the, he had a se- so the pass before the pass yeah he had a okay. secondary assist yesterday um, to Ryan Fraser uh, who put in a great ball but uh, Forrest's ball the, the actual second assist was maybe better than the actual assist in terms of you know technique and how it kind of went to the if, player. If you're from one other country, you would say a hockey assist, but then you have to you know explain as an ice hockey assist. Start of the um, start the the sentence there. If you were from another country, so okay. uh, Scott Brown. <laughs> um, I'm acting like a bit of a dick. I've turned I heel. Apologies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even mean to. This always happens when you when you're trying to co-host. Um, no, uh, Scott Brown. Scott Brown for you. Aye, Scott Brown. Keith McGinty, James Forrest is not even the best right wing in the league, is he? He can't be player of the year. Is he not Condéas at Rangers? Yeah. So you would have us believe uh, yeah, I'm anyway. just saying, there's some people say that. Um, Condéas is probably working a wee bit better with his right back than um, James Forrest is. Because James doesn't have one. He's been carrying <laughs> the right back for, for most of this season. Wow. Um, it's a big lad, that right back as well. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing about um, James Forrest this season and it's just been his consistency and how he's had to take over that mantle in the, the right wing. You're not getting this mic back, by the way. Um, Patrick Roberts, unfortunately, has been injured. And just like last season, he's just probably going to come in at the end and steal the la- the limelight away from Forrest. I think Forrest has done remarkably well all season to, to carry the team, score important goals, set up important goals. Four assists. What's his expected assists? That's the important bit. Good man. No, Forrest has been tremendous, but Brown has to be player of the year for me. So you Um, just spent two minutes on Forrest when he got on (laughs) with Scott Brown? Definitely. Um, The last half hour against Rangers just summed up the full season for me. How he 
um, organises the team, um, how he gets everybody to play to their, their utmost. I think he's fantastic. It's boring when you all agree, but <laughs> my Celtic player there okay. is uh, Scott S- Sinclair. S- Scott Bain, actually. But <laughs> So, uh, so anybody else? James Fort, uh, Scott Brown, Celtic Player of the Year, and the League Player of the Year. I think if you want to do it, kind of. That's uh, how I want to do it. Yeah. No, well, what I'm saying is, if you just have to take Celtic out of it, because okay, Scott, so, give me this one. Who's Player of the Year outside Celtic? Player of the Year outside Celtic. Um, probably Christoph Berra. Oh come on! Wow. Why not? Because he's not very good, is he? He's very one-dimensional. He's, okay. he's look talk, at the Hearts' defence. Talk it's me not, through his stats. The Hearts' stats, stats are rubbish. <laughs> no, okay. No, so I'm not. I'm not saying. I, I I know who the player of the year should be. It's it's John McGinn. I, I have him over Christoph Berra. And and people can turn around and they can say that. Um, uh, and people do, Chris. M- M- McGeoch is McGeoch. I think is a really really good player, and I really really like him. Um, and he's going through a hell of a form. Um, but McGinn is, a, is for me, um, the, I, I think he could take over from Brown. Not necessarily at Celtic, but certainly for Scotland. When, when Martin Friel is going to listen to this, he's going to be Martin swearing Friel. just My now. Well, Martin Friel. Aaron, best player in the the league outside Celtic? Uh, <laughs> did, I see, did I see Chris Boyd? You can, just, but we're going to go straight over to Paul. <laughs> and maybe not his best player, but just for his contribution to a single team. He's got, he's got 20 goals, which so, is incredible for a Kamarnock team. So for his contribution jobbies. to a single team, and considering where it was after the first six games, you know that, again, a similar turnaround under a different manager. I mean, I really didn't want to say it. I tried so hard not to say it there, but... Hey, Chris Boyd. <laughs> Sub-Christian. He's... Um, Steve Clark, the manager of the year? Well, yeah, he is. Because you look at the improvement in Kilmarnock. I mean, they were nowhere. And they were garbage. And in a way, they still are. But <laughs> <laughs> No, but, they, you know, you look at their players and there's not really any player in that team apart from probably Malumbu, who was on my list of, I think, you know, some of the best players outside Celtic who would make it in the Celtic squad. And I think it's down to the manager. But again, it's the belief thing. It's like the, the Brendan effect when he came to Celtic. He just made the players believe in themselves. And um, I think he knows, Steve Clark knows his players' limits. And his players just know how to play effectively, as he did against Celtic. You know? I, th- I think, see, the, <coughs> the interesting thing about Steve Clark is Steve Clark's came in. And all the reports from you know a lot of the players are that he's came in and he's done the simple things. Right, simplified it. Really simplified it. But it's not what he's done it's who he is the players respect him the players run through walls for him because they know he's he's been at the top 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 level and I think that really says something about the players um, for example I think Derek McInnes the players um, I don't I don't rate Derek McInnes I think Derek McInnes is, is an average football manager with at best at best right <laughs> with with the second slash third best squad in in Scotland, if you had a competent manager with the third best squad in Scotland, they should they'll finish third, yep. and that's the thing. Whereas if you put someone like Steve Clark in charge of Aberdeen, I think the challenges for the league. Maybe I don't. I'm not saying they're going to be win the league or they'll be with a point within us, but 
they'll be closer than they are because those players will then start I think respect I think it'll also be interesting next year if Steve Clark stays at Kilmarnock you know with a much less budget than your Aberdeen's of the league but can over the course of 38 games can he go and challenge for third or second Jenkins Rangers should try and get him I think if I was a Rangers fan I'd be screaming to try and get him absolutely but He'll never go to Rangers though, will he? No. Surely I wouldn't won't. have thought he would. But no, I don't think he would. I, don't, I, don't, I think he's a smart enough manager that knows that. Uh, that's a car crash. Aye. I think Jack Ross will end up at Aberdeen. I think Derek McInnes will go down to the Championship. Jack Ross will go to Aberdeen and he'll take them closer to Celtic than Derek McInnes ever would. Jack Ross should have been the Scotland manager. There you go. Different argument. Keith, Young Player of the Year. There is a correct yeah. answer. Outside of Celtic, okay, okay so let's do outside Celtic. Right, outside okay. of Celtic, um, one that stood out to me apart from McGinn um, was um, is it Cedric Kipre at uh, Motherwell. I've just enjoyed watching him, although <laughs> ah, no, I thought he's, he's been quite strong. Twenty-one, uh, twenty-one. Yeah. Ivory Coast. Just got a call up. Yep, just got a call up. Um, although I think he's been sent off twice against us. Um, but any time I've seen him, he looked a, a good, strong defender, and that was probably part of the reason why Motherwell got so far in the League Cup as well. Paul Cullen, is uh, 17 starts enough for Christopher Year to be worthy of Young Player of the Year? Yes. Thanks. That's all I needed to know. Aaron? <laughs> yes. What, what are your thoughts on uh, Ayer? I just love how calm he is. Jesus, um, he rattled right in and I just love I've been, <laughs> been thinking about him a lot. Uh, no, he's. he's Great. His attitude is brilliant. Um, he's he's a midfielder who's now a defender, and he's learned that role. You know, he's he's like, seems like this diligent kid who is bought into the manager's philosophy, and it's clearly you know he's he's a tank as well. You know, he's he's a a real unit, but um, but he's he's skillful as well. I just I love when he yeah, the, so the dribbling thing. Um, when's the last time Celtic had a centre half who would take the ball and run for 30 yards with it and either ping a really long cracking pass or just do something else with it I just feel it's we're in safe hands with him at the back in safer hands than we are with Boyata Yozo let me let me jump in here for a second we've got a question that's uh, on this uh, point at Ali Bali uh, 6TZ I don't know why I, I read out the usernames <laughs> I really, really don't. That was a bad mistake from the get-go. Yeah, get a new one. Uh, so, uh, it's from Martin, is his name. <laughs> uh, is it too soon to have Ayer and Hendry in his first-choice centre-backs? Surely can't be any worse than watching Jozo toiling and waiting on Boyata to find some form. I just want to... Uh, that'll be for you, Aaron. I just want to make a point on what uh, Paul was saying there about uh, Ayer. Jack Henry, yesterday, three or four times, stepped out stepped out of defence confidently um, and looked like he knew that it was the right thing to do, he didn't panic he looked for a pass I think he stepped out three times right into the midfield position and made three passes, that's awesome however, can they both do that? We'll talk about that another time um, You're a striker Aaron, how, how would you get around him? Uh, well, I, think, I think if you put I think looking at it, if they're in a, a central two in a back four, then I would be I mean, I love the fact that the both of them do it, and that's how I want to see my defenders play. But I would, uh, I would be worried about the two of them in a back four, in a back three though, with them either side of someone sweeper. sweeping. So, and, and I'm all for the sweeper being a Boyata or a Simunovic who isn't as comfortable on the ball, but will defend and allowing the two then to build up from the back and step into midfield and 
Um, Henry, just on that point, I thought he was great for Scotland last night, but I just don't think he's as comfortable as Ayer yet. And I think what we've, I've seen a few times with Henry is well, he steps forward 10, 15 yards, he's then inclined to make a five-yard pass that puts someone in midfield under a bit of pressure. Whereas I think Ayer's decision-making when he steps in is better at this moment in time, but I'm excited for what the two of them can do going forward. Keith, Jack Henry is candidate for young player, there is young player of the Year as well. Yeah, arguably he's made a big move to uh, Celtic, and he's not looked out of place when he's come on, he, he didn't have the best of games against Kilmarnock when we lost that match but any other time he looks as if he's a an assured, confident defender, but somebody that's still got a bit of growth within them, um, I think he's just going to get better and better, I'm starting to really, really like him um, him and Ayer, I think they're going to benefit from Scott Brown as he ages a wee bit, becomes a bit more and more defensive, uh, defensively minded, where that he already just now covers as the defenders push up and I think that's just going to really benefit them and the, the team Good um, I think Gal do you want to say something there round um, off I just want to say that Aaron's talking shit and okay, yeah. that Jack Henry's the best <laughs> and if he ever says anything negative about any players I like he will not Jack to be Jack Henry's invited. getting a lot of heat on the, our WhatsApp as well there's a couple of people in there he's well Samani's been Samani and, him to and a Martin Trio all of a sudden wants to be the new Samani just yeah. by slagging everybody off um, still need space for one Samani they're both they're a, ha- they're a handsome hip yeah, pair of kids um, not Martin and Chris no, uh, oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> I hear in um, uh, Henry I think uh Good looking players are as important as uh, good players. There's a lot of them at Celtic. I mean, like it's a pretty hip team at the moment. Yeah, yeah Lee Griffiths. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is, is, it, yeah. is there any Norwegians that are not good looking? I, 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 Oh. Thomas Ronya had a, a rugged, a rugged yeah, charm. He was more mountain hands. Listen, if you he actually liked to go in the mountains as well. That's, yeah. If you want, if you, we can give you that compliment. You're a, you're a good looking boy. I've never Thanks. denied That's it. That's what I wanted to. <laughs> he was <laughs> fishing for compliments. Yeah, I mean, come he on. was, and he's wearing a fisherman style jumper <laughs> as well. So that's that's very interesting. Absolutely. So as I said, um, Matt Ryan's article on James Forrest, Alex Lawrence's article on Christopher Year is in the cynical. Um, you can still access the website, even though we can't. So uh, we'll, we'll put out the links to these articles. Uh, I would go later. near the website. But if you wanted to go, go and download the cynical, the EPUB magazine, because you can download it. It's got videos. It got tunes of some random bands in it. It's 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 the twenty first century. It's not random. They're actually really good. That that only works. That only works if there's a video and you, you uh, the, the people see you point to Paul actually. <laughs> Otherwise, it just sounds really rude. How dare you? Are you saying we should start filming this? Well, well, hey, hey, hey listen. Hey. <laughs> I wanted to jump over to to sum up this, this, the gentleman on the couch. Um, one slightly younger than the other, but wow. still wow. very ageist. <laughs> uh, Paul, I listen. just got here. I just met the guy. I was going to give you a compliment after that, but that's okay. <laughs> just that. fucking. I, uh, I was turning heel, Christian. <laughs> monster. And we well, invited them as well. So Aaron's article is, is you know, the first time you've, you've written for as well, and you wrote a piece about in terms of your struggles with mental health and, and, yeah. and depression, and how you, especially for you as a, as a footballer actually being a footballer and, and some of that um, you know actually just being able to play football has, has been a big support for yourself as as well but you know I think and as you go read the piece it's, it's a really uh, strong piece 
Byron as well. But in terms of the reaction from after it was published, because I presume a lot of people would know that's something you've gone through. It's been been yep. quite a reaction, and you know it's been picked up by some of the national papers as well. Yep. So, firstly, calling me a footballer is a stretch, but I'm happy to take it. <laughs> well, next to Paul, you are. Yeah. Again, a thanks to the ninety minutes and the cynical for publishing it because I was I spent a month or two thinking about the kind of platform that I wanted to do it on. Um, by the reaction, still just now, even my Twitter today, kind of burnt up a little bit again just with it's mental health and people at me and things and asking my opinion and to think that people even want my opinion just because I've, I've written an article is incredible but the reaction at the time I mean when did we release it early February was yeah. it February 11th um, was unbelievable now I obviously knew writing about something like that and something so personal that people who knew me were going to speak and get involved and get in touch but I literally got at least 50 like DMs on social media from people I don't even know, people I'd never spoken to in my life. Either just a congratulations for having the courage to write the article and share it, or I'd, well, I had one guy sticks in my mind from uh, somewhere in America who actually told me they went to his doctor and was diagnosed after reading the article and feeling like he had similar feelings to what I'd spoken about. So wow. to think of something like that, it gets thousands of miles across a pond um, is honestly overwhelming and still to this day when I think back to it it's really inspirational to me in that I was talking to Paul before we came on air but I'm going to do more and I'm going to share more because the article was the PG version of what happened initially things obviously got darker as I spoke about in the Sunday Mail and again covered by the Sunday Mail just because of you know a thousand a thousand word piece that I'd written but it it, it kind of goes to show as well as you say I mean you say you're not a footballer but even a footballer on a on a junior level who comes out and and talks about that, it's it's, it's still a news story, and that kind of yeah. kind of tells how how little is still talked about, and you know the reaction that can that, that can cause. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd like to think that by talking out about it, then I can encourage others. And over the next few months, I'm going to seamlessly plug myself all over Twitter and stuff as I begin to. <laughs> As I begin to really, we can tell you how how to do that. We're good at that. <laughs> as I begin to really, you know, get my teeth into trying to really spread the message and spread yeah. the word, and it sometimes does sound a bit cliche, like it's okay not to be okay in that message, but that is absolutely what people need to hear and what people need to learn. And if if me sharing a little bit of pain from my life a few years ago gives any single person out there a little bit of strength that they can either share the pain to everyone like I did or to someone who will help them and that's great and as you say like it's, it's something you, you wouldn't wish on anybody you know you, you, your worst enemy absolutely not I mean as I spoke about in the article there was days where I, I literally didn't move for 12 and a half hours like yeah. I mean no toilet eating crisps all day like just it's, it's really difficult to imagine for people who haven't been there, like what do you mean you can't move I'm like there's a feeling of being physically chained down to the couch and there was really dark times of course and you know I was on the verge of being sectioned in June last year and things like that so if I can you know stop that for one person if I can you know stop them before they spiral into such dark depths then I'll do everything in my power and and have you found that by just by saying it that people a lot of people just come to you go yeah me too absolutely open the floodgate some some people who I've known for a long time mainly through football because I shared it you know on a football platform 
and uh, the the actual piece I wrote around you know football um, and how football helped me recover. So a lot of people I've known and played against over the years who you just never imagine, especially you look at getting there's that macho man image of every football and every football change room up and down the country. There's a you know probably two dozen men within the junior game who've come to me and said I'm the exact same or I'm very similar or I've had this happen and I've had this and I've had so many attempts in my life things like that it's just it's really hard hearing but at the same time if they are getting any comfort from the article then that's incredible and and I think that's often even how dark you might see I think the first step as you say there is just telling somebody absolutely and I can't stress enough how much and everyone's experiences will be different but how much I've found that speaking and then writing as a yeah. therapy so I've been doing the writing for I think I have about four or five years worth of diaries and some of them the ramblings of a crazed depressed lunatic and some of them more refined pieces like the article was a, a diary entry that I just took out and refined um, and I always thought about like this I mean it's it's <laughs> it is an illness like if, if you, you had you know Paul's got a issue with his foot but it's to me it's, it's almost the same thing because it's but just because it's not a physical injury yeah it's, it's it's an illness and it's something that is so common and but still it's it's kind of thought about as there's something there's something almost wrong with you because yeah. you feel it but it's not it's just i mean it, it can hit anybody in any situation like yourself like i mean i mean you're a fairly handsome guy you know it's, <laughs> but i mean you, on the outside i mean <laughs> got a wife a small kid you know good at football good job but it can just hit anybody at any point in their life I no think matter what a, the common misunderstanding is everyone calls it mental health and I think every single person has their mental health like they have their physical health Yeah, I think where it switches is people have mental illness yeah. and that like you say can strike anyone at any time can be triggered it can be not triggered it can whatever and uh, I think if you if you trying to change the understanding is really difficult of people and I found I've spoken to the, some of the people closest to me and they just have no understanding yeah. and it cannot get back 10 steps in your recovery because you know you speak to someone and you think they're really going to understand, they're really going to help yeah. but because of, I think on a broad scale the, the lack of understanding is really troubling and it's not it's not anyone's fault that they don't understand such a complex issue because I don't understand everything. I can speak about my experiences, but yeah. there's people with bipolar and other such that I would have no idea. And, and I think for maybe it's just a lot of people just, if you try to talk about it, shuts down. Block. Yep. It yep. might be the only issues or something like that, but it's just a defense mechanism that goes up. So, yep. But again, as I say, I, I think the worst thing you can do is, is not talk about it. Uh, and if, if it, you get setbacks... You know, you just have to find somebody to understand. Absolutely, I think the like I said, you know, I've spoken to initially went to some like parents and stuff and shut down. Like they just had no, and it's not that they meant to do that, but they just the the understanding wasn't there for them. So yeah. I yeah. think they probably found it really difficult from trying to picture their son feeling like that and whatever. But and, and it's, it's it's what you say in the article as well in terms of you kind of. Because football is often seen as maybe a, a you know a mature environment and maybe an environment where you couldn't maybe wouldn't get the understanding. But I think one of your breakthroughs when you actually went to your manager uh, and actually had the chat with him about it. Yeah, so I, at that time, you know, I'd been diagnosed I think six weeks previous, and um, my manager was one of the first people outside of my wife who I'd spoken to, and it was just I was taken, as I say in the article, taken into his room after spending time away from football. I actually feigned a knee injury. 
which is ironic now that I've got a bad one, but <laughs> <laughs> someone's getting back at me. Like that, but, um, and he just took me in and he just said, look, there's something not right. Uh, you don't need to tell me, but is it something we can discuss? And it just poured out like nothing. Like I'd never experienced such a, just everything. Yeah. Uh, um, everything just poured out from the six weeks previous. Um, and I couldn't have, I just, the, the, his reaction was just completely supportive instantly. He had known people who'd suffered. He now actually works in the mental health industry. Um, and that was when made my decision to, I need to get back to football, get back in amongst yeah. what I know and what I enjoy. And that's when I, you know, years on now, I now understand that there's a little bit about where you look after your physical health or what yeah. you know, most people do. You need to look after your mental health, you need to look after your mind and do the right things and not allow it to to get back to that place. And, and I think as you say, like it's, it's important just to keep your routine so as yeah. you saying you're talking about you, you shut down you just shut yourself away it's probably more important than ever just to keep going even though you feel like you don't want to do anything just to try yeah. and keep going so and as you said in terms of for you football was was a big help there yeah so routine is huge and, and I've had ups and downs since and, and every recovery if you like routine is absolutely massive um, it, it's crucial that if you let one thing slip for example if not being signed off work as soon as that slips then you're not getting up at half six in the morning and you're lying in your bed till whenever um, and then if I'm not going to football in the evening then you know I lose connection with the outside world yeah. and that that was the, the very first time that was the most difficult part in that you get the diagnosis and you think I'll be cured now I'm diagnosed everything's going to get better when in actual fact it got worse and the, the, you know the almost amusing for me now is that they give you this medication or you know for, for me it was sertraline at the time but they tell you oh the first four weeks side effects is that you're going to feel worse before you feel better and it's and that's why people end up off working whatever for so long but um, it's difficult but routine's massive speaking out and not publicly like I did because I always kind of felt I was going to express it publicly I knew that yeah. from my darkest times I kind of knew that but not publicly, but at least speaking to someone, even if it's yourself in the mirror, to just talk it out and hear it. No, your piece was absolutely great to read, and it was inspirational. And I think everybody, like you say, goes through wee moments like that. Um, I know myself, I've had a, a anxiety, and it's not something yeah. that's happened often in my life, but I had a, a panic attack, and it's the feeling of not being able to control yeah. what's actually happened to you. Um do you think footballers are more likely to, to suffer from this? Especially young ones that yeah. are signed up to the, the professional clubs because all you see that they're playing the Playstations in the afternoon, that's the end they've done their training in the morning, the amount of free time that they get. You sit playing the Playstation, three games of FIFA takes up an hour yeah. and you can just get right into it and that's just lose track of everything else. So you've absolutely just hit the nail on the head of something that's really close to me right now and I'm you know, I'm doing a lot of work in the in the background about this. So, not only just young footballers, maybe not in Scotland so much because the money isn't so vast. And but I think there's a lot of free time, especially down south. You would have seen the No Hunger in Paradise documentary by Michael Calvin on BT Sport a few months ago. He spoke about young footballers and the the money they have, but the the lack of you know uh, support and stuff in their life. But I think. 
before that, before you get to that stage between 16 and 19, mm-hmm. you obviously have a massive cull of players. And as someone who's experienced from 10 years old to being 19, I think, all the way through in professional academies and then being told at 19 it's not going to work out here, that group, and it's huge because you're talking one or two in every 20 of a squad up to 19 are probably going to play at a good level. So with that 18 across 30 or 40 clubs in Scotland, that group of players every single year, I feel like they're really susceptible because you spend 10 years of your life being told you're going to play football, that's all you're going to do. You believe that, you do everything you can to make that happen, and then you're just, and you're honest, you're cast aside with no support, nothing. You're just not good enough, sorry. And not only do you feel like, oh, I've not, my dream's crushed, whatever, there's that whole, I've let down the people who took me to and from I, football for yeah. 10 years of my life, and I think they're hugely susceptible, and it's something I'm really passionate about is can I somehow, and I'm working on it with a charity that I can't say too much about but and we're going to approach the PFA about it but can we get that group before they get cast aside because it's as being one of the players and I know a few other boys who have been there that's such a you know it's such a difficult period when you initially come out of the game and you have to go find work and stuff I think there's a huge problem there. It should be part of their education as well. Yeah, so uh, I think, I mean, I think there's changes being made, but call me a cynic. Um, <laughs> I think it's lip service and a lot of it that, well, it's, if you, it's a similar issue perhaps was the whole, his head in a ball for 20 or 30 years causing dementia, so there was yeah. heat on that for a few months and then it just disappeared. And part of me feels like his mental health just getting the heat for five, six months just now, but then there's not going to be actually any drastic changes. And you touched a little bit upon it there, but you said that, as you said, you have a lot of people approaching you in terms of just speaking out, but as you said, that you're doing something a bit more official now and organising yeah. in terms of um, charities and also some charity matches? Yeah, so I'm in the process of arranging a, just a junior football tournament, so a standard pre-season four-team four two-day tournament, just two semi-finals third and fourth place in a final um, so I've approached some clubs I'm trying to get my old clubs involved just so it has that personal feel for me um, also I think we're going to host it probably at St Rocks Juniors uh, great great club you know Celtic connections but charity, they do a lot of charitable work always having food bank collections and things like that so I approached them and I think it will be hosted there don't have official dates yet but I'm going to use that as my initial fundraiser and I think because it's involving junior football where I've played, you know, it feels personal to me and a good way to launch what will come next from that, which the idea initially is to try and offer free football to starting once a week for an hour, free five asides to, if I can find ten people who want to come along who've had mental illness or are going through mental illness Um, and if it grows from there then great and if it doesn't, I'll get a kick about Every, for an hour every week with some other people. <laughs> Once your knees, okay. <laughs> yes. uh, Paul, we're gonna we're gonna touch upon this a bit later. Speaking of your article as well, but do you think most people think football is maybe the the last era you want to go and maybe um, tackle some of those issues? Like you know, talk, talk about homophobia later and about mental health. Do you think in a, in a roundabout way it's actually the best area you can go into and and actually start there? Yeah. Um, 
I was actually going to ask, and this is sort of tied in what I was going to ask, Aaron, is is uh, you think there's pressure on guys to like, kind of outwardly project this image of being kind of in control and strong and dependable and, you know, almost sort of relentlessly positive? Because um, with the football world just being, you know, so male-dominated, do you think there's more pressure on athletes and footballers to just, I hate the expression, man up? You know, because you hear that and it's a horrible, horrible phrase and yeah. it just gets bandied about all the time and it makes me so angry because it's, it's pathetic. It's a horrible thing to say. But do you feel this pressure on... Yeah. Did you feel that pressure? Absolutely. Initially, absolutely. And I think it's probably not an external pressure. It's probably a lot of the time an internal pressure that you just believe that rather than that people actually put that on you. And that I've only found that out since actually being more open and honest. But I think the pressure is mainly internal, just that you believe... I'm a male and I can't have these problems and if I do I need to bury them and I need to be like you say strong, dominant and whatever else show no sign of weakness I think a part of that's just conditioning um, yeah. since we're, you know, you're born and you're just born into that and which is obviously to do with how society tells you how you should feel yeah, and I think you know that so absolutely it is internal I completely get that but I also think it's just what society's yeah, like I think gener- generationally it may be changing so if I look at yeah. you know my mm-hmm. dad to me there's a difference and I've no doubt my son in 20 years time will probably or I really hope it's different for him and that he doesn't I hope he never feels the way I did but if he does that society's a little bit more open to it and yeah. I think you see the change generationally, generationally at the moment so hopefully that continues but I think there is that whole I need to be a man and get on with it and it was funny because um, I was reading this was a couple of years ago and it was the it was one of the secret footballer books and yep. he was talking about um, he had depression um, and how he would come he'd go to training and he'd put on this sort of fake outward yep. sort of uh, attitude everything was fine and then he'd go home and he'd sit in a chair um, in his in his kind of literally in his hall in his mansion and then he'd come in and his wife if his wife could reach him before he sat down then she could try and pull him out and you know the whole routine idea yeah. um, but if he sat down in that chair he he wouldn't be able to move like you were saying about you know that's that. absolutely true um, I think I call it my mask so if I'm not feeling great and I walk into the football changing room it's like the mask comes over your head and yeah. all of a sudden everything's fine and everything's laughing a joke for two hours and then and my wife will tell you I mean I think at times she probably got slightly frustrated she would probably admit that I could go to football and for two hours around my mates I would be absolutely fine but then she would be the one picking me up the next mm. day and I think there's also a, a lack of understanding around the impact it has on people close to the sufferer if you want, if, for want of a better word but yeah. and that's something that you know she would probably now say you know she would stop that instantly. she would notice the signs and she would put a stop to that instantly but I think initially when she was still learning and understanding she would probably look back now and say it was so frustrating for her that when I went back to football for four, six hours a week around my mates, I was happy as Larry, smiling, laughing, joking. And when I came home, I'd on the couch not say a word. And I think for her, she's now like you, the secret football books I've actually read. And like you, my wife, if she sees any sign of it, will be right, let's go. We're going out, we're taking yeah. the dog a walk, or we're going out with the wee one or whatever. Yeah. Um, also, it doesn't help when obviously talking about generationally and how things are changing. Obviously, we've got guys like Brendan Rogers and like Jack Ross and stuff who are literally psychologists and uh, friends as much as they are footballers, and they'll sit and they'll listen and they want their players to be, you know, 
help them as much as they can from a personal standpoint. Gets away from guys like, you know, back in the day, like Harry Redknapp talking turning around saying, why is so-and-so unhappy? He's a millionaire. How can he possibly yeah, be yeah. happy? And Dave Besant and all those guys, you know? But I, I even remember, it's funny because it was, I think it was Mark Viduka, who, who, when he actually, I think he started... Um, when he came to Celtic I think he had actually had some time sort of for depression and I even remember at that time I was probably not more than like 17, 18 but I'd kind of go why would he be depressed? You know yeah. he's got a gorgeous wife he's a professional footballer you know what's wrong with him but it kind of just goes to say The education it, within it, you Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it's in all of us I guess and but, but, but as you say it's, 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 it's hopefully like a, a generational shift as well and the only thing that's going to break it down Aaron is, is people like you talking about it Yep. So I, I think you know it's it's you know, I, I think it's, it's a lot more brave than people actually think it is to to come out and do it. But I think at, at the other side of that, it must have been such a relief for you as well. In Absolutely. Many ways. I mean, the weight even just writing takes off my shoulders. I think I said in the interview I done with the Sunday Mail, writing is my therapy. So I don't take any medication anymore, yeah. and I actually don't see any health professionals anymore because it's hugely let down by the system. But that's another. That's another discussion for another day, but um, yeah, I think the relief I felt of p- no the article going out because I was a bit apprehensive initially, kn- knowing that it was going to be released, and then that relief of it going out and that relief of just people now understanding why things happened at certain times, like coaches, yeah. teammates, things like that. Just to say, so you talked about football being your escape, yeah, and. Um, when you weren't playing, how you piled on the the weight as well. Still I'm trying to shift that weight. <laughs> I, I realise that myself. <laughs> you're, you're, you're okay next the to the past year. Yeah, yeah, well, that's what I was just going to say. The past year, I've put on so much weight, and it's because I've stopped going out and doing playing fives once or twice a week. But when I've not stopped doing that, I've stopped seeing my pals, and even for that wee five yeah. ten minutes before and after the game, that's your chance to catch up. You talk yeah. about all the things that are happening and how the veins are and what's happening with problems and then you arrange the nights out that go with it and you get the chance to, to meet up so it's more the social aspect when it comes to, to fives because God knows I'm crap and I can't run the length of myself but I can pick a pass just saying that oh, but um, it is more the, the social aspect it's something I'm your article in owns as well on the, the website about yeah the no no absolutely I think it, it's you, you, we have you know Aaron's article but but Ian Coyne's article as well is talking about his his love of of playing fives, uh, essentially or, or the Astro, as I think they must call it in, in, in Ireland. Yeah. Uh, and it's the same thing. It's essentially you know it's it's it was something else than the football. And I think he was saying it, again he was in a, in a good place in his life seemingly, and he was exercising and so on. But it, there was something that wasn't right. And I think just going into and playing fives kind of reignited it for him so it's just as you said the aspect of actually just socialising and, and, and physical activity as well I think you look great Keith I know I, I didn't mean like that I mean you're a really snidey person when it comes to <laughs> the podcast when it comes to Keith <laughs> so, yeah. that, to be fair look well. who's talking <laughs> I just ah, yeah, I do I apologise no I, but, but Aaron, as I said like, I mean, it takes tremendous courage and I think it just it must be just coming out with it, you can see how it helps other people as well. So no, you've, you've always got a platform. You've always got a platform on Ninety Minutes Cynic to yes. to write whatever you want, and and you can come on the podcast as well. To it's always no, very helpful. Awesome. I, do, I really appreciate you know having this platform. I think when I first seen the Twitter advert, and I call it an advert, but 
and I wrote some flattering emails to Christian to try and get on board, but you know, I've listened for a long time. And if he'd written them to me, he'd be getting paid for this shit. Yeah. <laughs> 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 the, the article, though, is brilliant, and everyone should read it. Yeah. Genuinely, yeah. everyone should read Appreciate it. That. No matter what kind of state your brain's in, everybody should read that article because I, I think it, it's so relatable. Absolutely. And well written. I think, from my point of view as well, like, without plugging my own article, but I think, you know, it's, it's as honest as you'll find anywhere. Like, yeah. I haven't dressed up anything in it. It's literally my words straight from head to page and then refined slightly a few years later, but it's literally a diary entry that I've refined. Well, and see that whole idea of um, not to plug more own article. I, I do plug, plug it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's what you got to do, man. Yeah. Talking of uh, articles that were awesome. Um, <laughs> Did you want to move on? <laughs> I just always want to talk about my stuff. So no, I, 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 I had another point, but I'll weave it into your one. Paul Paul Cullen here, the um, the older statesman of the couch. Wow, but Why is he fucking? No but I, again, again, a compliment. Do you know what age Paul is? I, th- I think I'm just quite. Do you know you're y- he's younger than you? No, I think he's. I think he's slightly older. <laughs> I, think. I, I think you're pointing. Do you want to play the game where you've got to guess? Are you, are you, are you born in the eighties? No. Okay. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> N- I am. N- just <laughs> nineteen ninety, if you can believe it. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know why you seem you seem really nice and stuff. I don't know why. <laughs> well, backtracking. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? I'm probably just in awe of being so close to a, an actual musician because if there's one thing, this is like Ronnie being the manager. <laughs> t- t- terrific squad, but absolutely fucks up by the leadership. Also, he called me a musician. I'm a drummer. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> well, this is me trying to be nice, but okay. So, being a drummer, uh, <laughs> um, no, Paul Collins. Just tell me, tell me. Tell me how you ended up in, in in music. I mean, you know, people might know you. People, they might have heard of your bands. Maybe, maybe you my know? old band. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no, God, okay, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna go through this. So, it all started in the black hole of the late 1970s. No, <laughs> uh, <laughs> in Ayrshire. <laughs> Ayrshire, yeah, yeah. I'm from, I'm from Adrosan. Yeah. Um, my wife's from Ayrshire. Is she? Yeah. Where? Oh, proper Ayrshire, Ayr. Oh, so, yeah. deep no, as dark as there, Shire. 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 Good bit, you know. I think that's where Steve Clark's from, actually. So yeah. good guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I was into music from from birth, basically. My parents were musicians. My mum is a great singer. My dad plays guitar. They <laughs> they did the music at mass. <laughs> uh, um, so I know all the hymns. Uh, a choir boy. Which is uh, I was an altar boy. Yeah, huh. I was an altar boy. And let's send that there. <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, we were a, you know we weren't a musical family. It wasn't like Von Traps or anything, but there was always music on in the house and you know in the car. And uh, I just I don't know developed this interest in drums. I can't even really remember like pinpoint the moment where where it happened, but it was it was definitely the band Big Country, <laughs> uh, who I still love. But they you know they had a great drummer, and uh, I remember being a kid and getting you know all the pillows from the house. Setting them up around my bed. My mum had a pair of knitting needles. How cliche is that? My mum's knitting needles. She, didn't, she hasn't had a thing in her life. And, you know, played along with big country records. Not playing along, but just hitting in time with big country records. And then I got my first kit about 14, 13 or 14. And I uh, played in various bands through school. Uh, and I kind of, I don't know, like, I played in bands through my 20s as well, but I always had a job. It was just a hobby. Aye. In played all around Glasgow and all the various places in the 90s and uh, 2000s which was great and then I didn't join Dan and Anna Aykroyd until I was like 
29, which is in band eight years is like 65. Right. Uh, and I just I knew a couple of the guys in the band, and um, we played gigs together in the past, and um, and Duncan, who I was pals with before that, just got in touch, and the previous drummer had left. Uh, James, who plays in Errors, yeah, terrific. a great band. He's a brilliant drummer, um, and they asked if I fancied coming and trying out for it. And they were just about to sign a record deal and record a first album. And at that stage, I was I had a good job. I was working, in, I still do worked in radio, and um, was pretty comfortable. I just bought my first flat. It was that stage in life where you're thinking, right, this isn't going to happen. This musician thing will always just be a hobby, and that's cool because you know that's. That's enough. That's like Keith in the footballing. He still thinks it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I still think I could make it as a footballer, by the way. Not anymore, maybe. But uh, you'd never give up on that dream. Um, but you lived the dream. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess like, I, I don't know if we, we, weren't, we weren't a huge band or anything. We did. We did you were. Really. You were pro- professional. Like, yeah. Aye, so we you, did it, so yeah, did it for in, a in job. In football terms, like... Ah, yes. Patrick Fissle? Ah, is, that, no. is that harsh? Uh, actually, well, yeah. Mm, well. Maybe Patrick Fissle when they were in the championship. You know? Okay. Yeah, I, I, I knew about you because um, you were supporting everyone at one point. Totally underplaying this, yeah. <laughs> how, how Scottish. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, the band, the, the, the whole experience was brilliant. We did, we made, so I was in the band for about five years, recorded two albums. Uh, we got to go to America to do those, worked with um, two different producers, one of whom was just sort of a, a life-changing type of guy, Ross Robinson, um, who'd worked with loads of new metal bands. Which Jesus. it was a weird mix for us because I don't know he totally got us we totally got him but he was definitely at the further end of our sort of like sound um, got to go to Australia a couple of times and you know played all the music festivals so uh, as any ex- life experience it was just like remarkable and I'm so grateful that it happened yeah um, I'll never forget it you know I don't think it's going to happen again now I also <laughs> think like you know if if a band like well, after this, I might. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. you know, if I have phone and go, Paul, we need a drummer, I'll, you know, I'll probably do it. <laughs> if, if you can pick one band to phone you up now and say, Paul, uh, can you come and play? Uh, Sebado, probably. I've always said if if Lou Barlow wanted me to join Sebado, I would drop everything. Christian doesn't know who Sebado None of these people I, I, know I, I was Sebado pretending are. to know, but right, okay, well, you well, well, p- Pavement as well. I would join oh, I've heard about Pavement. I, I would... Uh, Gold Sounds. I would... Well... Shot my arm off just to go to another live pavement gig. To be fair, but that's weird. Tell you what, if, if actually if REM reformed and Bill Berry didn't want to do it, I would definitely play for REM. Ugh. Ugh. Don't, Ugh. don't, Chris. I got a lot of notes for after I, the podcast. No, I played that. It's, it's like it's, it's adventurous in hi-fi. Is it? New adventures in hi-fi. That's like I love the, that album. That's a good album. That's, that's what my I was growing up as well. Yeah. So we were about the same age. Yeah, I'm slightly younger. Wow, but. <laughs> Look at that, <laughs> but I mean, it's in terms of obviously coming from from Glasgow and no, coming from the west of Scotland, but you know, in the greater Glasgow area, I guess it is music and football. Yeah, comes hand in hand as well. I guess it's same for you. Yeah, although, yeah, t- 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 think you, think yeah, you were I'm a hard fan. Just get this con- contrarian. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. Very I early hipster. I supported yeah. Hearts um, for a while. I kind of supported Hearts and Celtic, but yeah, it was it was Hearts for a long time, and it was Aaron's yeah. look of disgust. Yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> I'm just You're confused in, by yeah. how Ed Rawson led to Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, 
just got to say, 1986 must have been torture for you. Know, know, who were you supporting? I remember watching the cup final. It was Aberdeen and they won 3-0. Were you 15, was, 16? I was uh, 64. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my best pal and I, in like primary one or two, we were like, right, we were going to support hearts. <laughs> <laughs> and it stuck for years. But then... I remember I was thinking about this for my first game. I've written it down. My first, my first football game was Hearts versus Hamilton Ackies in nineteen eighty six, and Hearts won three one. And my dad and my best pal's dad took us. They were both Celtic fans, and they took their sons to God love Douglas them. Park. <laughs> That's I mean, terrific. Yeah, my dad's terrific. one of the greatest guys on earth, and that just proves it. And then my uncle Tommy took me to my first Celtic game, which was the following January, and it was again against the Ackies, and we won eight three. Uh, Some debut to go. That's cool, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, was it at Celtic Park? Aye. All right, cool. Uh, so yeah, you sort of straddled both, but yeah, totally. It was just I was a subversive kid, and still am a wee bit. And I don't really care what folk thought. Like folk thought, folk is, thought is, about is, it. You know, is, is that why you like Mikael Lustig? I, oh, I, I used to, I don't know. Like, don't cover your ears, Chris. Don't start. <laughs> I'm actually wearing headphones, so I can hear you <laughs> so perfectly. It's yeah. unbelievable. Oh, I could see it closer into the mic. It's defined. <laughs> I, I think the guy's brilliant. I love him as a person, and he's been a great servant. To if you see, if you use the phrase, his legs are gone. <laughs> I might have Something to just delete this. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but you, you, you kind of talked about this in in your interview with with Gal as well. Where, where I just found out you, you had to pay for your own drinks when he did the interview I bet he, well, you know I, I would buy Chris a drink any day of the week anyway he wouldn't so listen we had a board game night recently so yeah. don't yeah. you worry about that I thanks won. for the invite yeah, yeah he, we played stop so. the bus and I don't know if anyone did anyone know stop the bus the yeah I finally knows. met someone as competitive yeah. as me <laughs> um, and uh, yeah Paul just Paul just about beat me at stop the bus it was <laughs> comprehensive we also played the neighbours game that show yeah let's not yeah. talk about that I've been there that's another story I've been there I've been to Australia is that where you went we were in Brisbane <laughs> and we went to the neighbour's set was it like uh, one of the actors that came in no there was okay. a security guy who okay. obviously because you can do the tour and then they bring in some oh no actor. we just we just got taken down there in a car and oh, said that's one. Helen Daniels house and <laughs> 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 this took a slight a different way than I thought it was going to do but um, but you talked about this in the interview as I said in terms of that changing nature of somebody who's been in music and obviously follow music but also football that maybe the last 5-10 years the, the, the changing nature of it in mm. terms of how it's how, how music is, is distributed and created how football media is, is, is now well, made by people like us, and there's just so much interaction with it. So, do you think there's a lot of parallels? Yeah, it's direct. It's just it's direct now. You don't need the middleman. Like I was thinking about this. So, the article written by um, about Twenty Four Hour Football. Who wrote that? Can we have a Damn shout out to Paul having an A four page of notes? He's this reading is from. <laughs> just see, see when you get a bit older, you need to have notes. You see, remember yeah. things. That's why I have it yeah. as well. It's got my name at the top. Thanks for reminding me of my name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never getting invited to those sports. Is that Comic Sans, though? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh boy. No, uh, it's, it's Dan McGowan. Yeah. You, you like Dan? Dan's yeah. probably like a, a younger version of you because oh, he's quite into his music. I'll thing. tell you something about Dan McGowan. I was in Sweeney's and um, he came up to me and he went, Are you Chris from are you Chris from 90 Minutes? Are you Gal from 90 Minutes, Nick? And I was like, Yeah. And he went, Listen, anyone that plays pavement on a podcast <laughs> is all right with me. And walked away. And I thought, Well, I like the guy even more now. Um, his article's it, great. Dan actually came up to me in the street as well saying, are you Christian Wolf?" Because he'd been following you. Yeah, pretty much. So look behind you on the way back. Came <laughs> out, <laughs> came out, came out, came out, there's a guy in your back seat when you're driving, just watch it. No, but he, he's written an article about this. He's basically had enough. There's too much on on, on Twitter and everything. is 24 hours constantly. Same with t- music, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. My, my best mate at work uh, messaged me, have you heard the new single by, I don't even know who it was, let's say like, Let's say, sorry, Chris. Let's say, okay, it's it's Chris Argentina pants, right? And I'm like, I've never heard of this artist before. Pretty good. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's just it's really it's it's impossible to keep up. And I'm, I don't know if that's just my age or because I just don't care as much anymore. But uh, can't move for music blogs. You know, sex music is just you know it's the best place to hear. I think credible music on the radio at the moment. It's just a relentless barrage of stuff. But then you've got sites like Bandcamp. SoundCloud, where bands just go, right, I've recorded this demo in my house, and I'm going to put it on Bandcamp, and I'm going to sell it direct to people for £5 a pop, which is obviously great, because, you know, you create something, you sell it direct to people that want to buy it. I think what there isn't anymore is there's no filter anymore, so that it's just that, I mean, I see it mainly from a Scottish football media point of view, you go on Twitter and you're like... There isn't anyone can have an opinion and feel like they're in the media, and I think that's just it must be some other music. Like they run parallel. There is no filter to filter out the not so good stuff anymore, so you can be. That, that's that's good and bad mm. though. Sorry. Yep. No, I was going to say because uh, it's good and bad because I think that because you got this platform, a lot of people maybe in more established positions in the media get maybe it turns their nose up slightly in terms of who are you. And in that in interaction with it, yeah, um, Graham Spears yesterday on Twitter. Well, yeah, I was going to mention Graham, but yeah, exactly. Saying you know, I like Graham Spears a lot. I just think that that tweet yesterday where um, he says basically anyone who questions whether Alex McLeish should be the Scotland manager and who hasn't been a professional footballer um, can't have an opinion. That's literally it's what he said, which yeah. is just ridiculous. I just why say that? And, and I, I presume it's it's kind of upsetting the natural order in, in the music industry as well in terms of yeah. record companies and so on well we had we had a label for our first album and then we put our second record out ourselves on our own label but it was basically us and our management and at that point um, the first album sold decent did fine did pretty well second album sold like a quarter of that and even though I think it's a better album and we put way more I don't know there's way more heart in it I think um, that was a period where people just began to expect to get music for free and so fewer people buying records and more people downloading a torrent of it somewhere or Soulseek you know, well, yeah well, Spotify or Soulseek yeah, yeah, yeah. Soulseek you can get anything for not you should not that I've ever done it stealing is bad Chris I've never done it I've never done it <laughs> <laughs> ever no, but I would never do it. I've, what I always tend to, to do is if I um, go on Spotify and I like an album, I'll go and buy it. Mm-hmm. But then um, I need to have the physical thing. That's a, But that's maybe it's not unique to me because there are kind of people like that, absolutely. But I feel like I don't own it 
until I have it. So if I like something a lot, if I listen to the new Father John Misty album on Spotify, and then I need that album, which I bought on vinyl the other day. Um, so, like, I, I need that. So I think that's good, but a lot of people wouldn't. A lot of people would just... Uh, which is the same with, you know... Uh, podcasting and writing a, well, a lot of people were read i was reading stuff um before the 90 minutes then it started in 2011 and the reason it started is because i was frustrated about how people were talking about uh, 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 uh when he left celtic i had a completely different opinion on it, what than other people did so i started a blog called the 90 minutes in 2011 and look what it's became so i felt i just wanted an outlet yeah and that became something much bigger and you're all welcome by the way yeah, thanks. Brian, <laughs> what a dick. I'm just saying, Brian would disagree. Did, was it not his idea to set up the blog for yourself? or? <laughs> but it's, but you, you kind of touched upon it as well. I mean, we do the Night Minute Cynic for, as you kind of just for the love of it, and we wanted to have an alternative. I don't think we, you know, we'll never ever go and say, hey, pay us some money uh, for it. Or, or maybe we are. Look, look at that face. <laughs> maybe, who knows? <laughs> No, uh, but do you think there is even? Well, I see a parallel Premium there content. between <laughs> football journalism and, and and music, whereas there's almost an expectancy not to having to pay for things. Yeah, totally. Uh, and and that almostly <laughs> puts musicians in quite a difficult place. But there's kind of be there's kind of. Well, I'll, I'll let you well, come in. But yeah, the way I see it is, uh, you don't become a musician to be rich unless you're going to be. What? I don't know, like. Ed Sheeran, right? <laughs> is, yeah. a, is anyone here Ed Sheeran? Like, Ed Sheeran is Keith, not Keith right. looks a bit like him. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, like, you're, so you're not going to you're not going to make a, a living out of it. But nowadays, you can do it on a level where you have complete control over what you do. You're writing the manufacturing of it, the distribution of it. You can connect immediately with your fans because social media now is just like unavoidable and any band that isn't on social media is stupid because you're missing out on a massive audience uh, it's it's direct um, so the need for record labels record labels are now for established acts or yeah I guess there'll be some bands I can't even think of a band coming out of Scotland that's you know that's got this record deal the, the whole notion of the signing the deal and making it seems old fashioned now yeah um, but it, it reminded me of something else this is a bit of a tangent but just I was watching the Scotland game last night and I'm watching it with my laptop in front of me, that Scotland game on the telly and my phone and I've got like the football there, Twitter on my phone and like Facebook or something open on a laptop and that's how I'm consuming football now and yeah. it's just too much because it's and impossible it, to pay attention and, and, and Dan's article touches upon this as well, I, I find it myself sometimes that I don't have an attention span of 90 minutes anymore and you're on the wrong podcast maybe. yeah <laughs> thanks <laughs> but I also find that brand things like you start consuming in a different way like podcasts I probably listen to a lot more spoken word now than I ever do because I can have it in my ear and especially when I'm I'm, I'm walking as well so I think in, in a way football media and music just kind of evolves because now it's all about selling gigs I mean for the big artists that's kind of where you make your money if you want but if you want to support a band buy a t-shirt or go to a gig really right. you know um, I think if, if if my old band was still going I think we would have kind of evolved to be the kind of band that would focus on live performance which we kind of did anyway but gigs is where you'll really make money and if you're popular you're playing bigger and bigger venues each time 
Um, I think the last place that, that Dan and Anna played, I'd just quit the band before the end of it, was uh, ABC. Played the big room in the ABC, which is terrific. Brilliant, yeah. you know. Um, I've seen so many amazing bands there. Yeah, but so. it's, a, it's that progression. And if the band had stayed together, we'd been able to make a third record, perhaps. And, you know, who knows? Barrowlands. That's the dream. Did play the Barrowlands. Spotted yeah. Folds, which was quite cool. Ugh. Wow. <laughs> They're nice guys. Ugh. Barrels, I think, almost was the last concert I went to. Has that been the ones? No one cares. Hey, okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey actually. Fools. Yeah. Um, but you mentioned your, your uncle Tommy there as well. That there's, there's a really nice... I hope I got the right uncle now. But have I got yeah. the right uncle? Tommy's, Tommy's a Celtic guy. Yeah. There's a really nice anecdote in, in, in the interview about it. Talk us through it. Is this when... Uh, when you go Seville? over to see the Seville one? Aye, so... Uh, right, so I'm gay, uh, uh, which, like, everyone knows. <laughs> but it's... It's... It's just so not a thing for me. It's hard to explain. Yeah, I can. I came out to my parents maybe about a year before that. Uh, quite late. I was out at my pals first, and then my family was a harder thing to do. It must have been um, even more daunting to say that you were a Hearts fan than. Uh, they, well, they, you know, they they knew that yeah. from the start. You know, <laughs> uh, they had time to get over that. Um, yeah. So my uncle Tommy was the last. Him and, and my auntie Anne were the last piece of the jigsaw in terms of okay. the, the family. Um, and I don't know why I was so apprehensive about it. Maybe it harks back to what we were talking about earlier about guys in football it being yeah. a really masculine kind of atmosphere, uh, you know. Yeah. And and even though yeah, I'm gay, but I'm not. I'm still. I just. I just. I'm a guy, you know. And I like. I like football and drums before I realised I was gay. Do you know what I mean? So right. it, it was so secondary. I was building this up so much. My dad had the idea. Right. Well, he wanted to go and watch. We obviously didn't get to Seville, but he said, "Let's go to Dublin and watch the final in Dublin with Tommy and uh, my cousins and Manny." And uh, we went over, and he was like, "Oh, and by the way." you're going to come out to your uncle. And I'm like, what? <laughs> no. And of course, it was brilliant and Tommy was great and it sort of made the day, you know? Yeah. Like, I think he probably, by that point, must have known. I would have been like in my early 20s at this point. No, my 20s, two and three. I'd have been 20. So you're, you're 57 now. Yeah. So how about <laughs> I? It was a leap year. Um, <laughs> uh, so it was great and... Obviously, Celtic won the uh, UEFA Cup. UEFA Cup that year. Yeah, that was I think it happened. So, yeah. well, have I finally jumped into the alternative timeline where we've won the UEFA Cup? <laughs> Been waiting for this my whole life. Hey. There's the um, uh, what do you call it? The program. Oh, cool. On the I wall. Saw, uh, Chris is pointing to something on the wall. You, <laughs> you gave Christian a row earlier for not. Oh, I can do it. This happens. I dominate life, my man. So, but yeah, no. Um, so that must have been. A relief, a little bit, just Aye. yeah, big important part then, of your life. Then you that's know? it. Everyone knows you can just get on with your life, really. Yeah, exactly, you're unremarkable. Like you know, what I mean, because it's not. It really isn't a big deal. Um, and I, I assume you want to talk about kind of homophobia and football and stuff as well at some point. Well, um, it, it's interesting because, as you said, it is as 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 a as a gay football fan. Do you go? Oh, do I need to talk about being a gay football fan? It's no big deal. I feel yeah. like it's. Um, in the same way Aaron feels it's important to talk about mental illness if there's like a young person who is gay and is a fan of football or rugby or lacrosse or anything who hears someone who's out and quite open and quite normal I guess in the very commas I hate that word but uh, if someone hearing this if you know like okay 
was chatting to my friend Paul, who's a real person, not me looking at <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous, about uh, he's a season ticket holder at Celtic Park, and I go to maybe about 20 games a season, roughly, hopefully. Yeah. Um, I asked him, do you hear much like homophobia at Celtic Park? Because I hardly hear anything, truly hardly hear anything. And he, it's just the odd thing here and there, it's more kind of, you know, that sort of... Uh, Pawns, words like that, or like sissy, and you know, quite old fashioned words that you don't really hear anymore. And I really don't hear a lot of it at Celtic Park. It definitely must exist. But he said to himself, Am I the only gay person in this stadium of like 60,000 people watching Celtic? He just saw himself as being the one gay person in the stadium. And that's clearly not the case. Yeah. Um, but is it because of the nature of football that, that gay people maybe feel that they can't come out in that? Well, well listen, I think football will often get. A bad, I mean, you know, people discussing. You know, there's no footballers that have well, really famous footballers that come out, or very few. And people say, "Oh, you wouldn't be able to do that in football." You know, you get all this and all that. I think that's playing down football. I think it's somebody. Football is a, is a reflection of society, and I think society, as if you came out to in any say, part of society 15, 20 years ago, it'll be completely different than doing it now. And I think the same would apply to football. I think if you had a Openly gay Celtic player. Yeah, I think. I think. I think. I think it'd be fine. Am I, I, am I just being a bit too optimistic? There, I, I think, and I really do mean this. It depends on the club. Yeah. Um, I, we're going to come to that. I, I, yeah. I think at some point, you know, you know, sectarianism is rampant. Let's not kid on at, at you know at certain clubs. Parts being one of them. Ironically <laughs> 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 enough, but um, I, I think. If, if, if there was a openly, if Kieran Tierney came out, for example, and said that he was gay, I think like uh, the Green Brigades would just have banners. I, I think, I think uh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm being naive, but I, I think there's a massive acceptance the way there wasn't, and I think you do hear um, homophobic slurs at times, but I genuinely don't think it's meant in a homophobic way. If you know what I mean, like I think people use. Uh, the P word, for example, I don't think they. I think it's an education thing. I, yeah, it's a generational. I, it's thing a generational well. thing. I think, um, I, I think, depending on the club, I think if uh, I think it would be fine. There are clubs that you know, for example, you know, Chelsea's got a, quite a right wing element. If a player came out and was gay, well, Chelsea. I'd, well, this is. I, I was. This is an interesting point because we're saying clubs like Celtic. You probably put San Paulo in there. Yeah. Uh, you can put FC Union Berlin, which Rory Price article. <laughs> In, in the cynical talks about as well but do you think I, I mean in terms of Celtic especially a large part of their fan group seems to be embracing like progressive ideas whether they be economic ones or social ones yeah. and do you think that it would generally be easier for a Celtic player to, to come out and say yeah because they kind of know that is and you know that, that's kind of like the feeling around the club yeah I feel like that I think it's hard to it's hard to explain. I feel like Celtic have got my back. If you know yeah. what I mean, I feel like the Celtic fans have got my back, um, as I have theirs, because it's a club for everyone. You know, that's the tagline for the whole flipping club. Yeah. You know, and um, yeah, and whether it's a political movement or yeah, anything. I mean, okay, I was looking at um, different gay fan groups. So Aberdeen have won. Yeah. Uh, Celtic have won as well. Proud Huddle CSC, which I'd I never heard know. of until <laughs> yesterday. I <laughs> heard think of... I know the guy that runs it, like through someone else. I've heard about um, the Lily Whites in for Spurs. Right. Yeah. Cool. Um, my brother was a Spurs fan. Um, I should know that. That's terrible. I've just embarrassed myself. <laughs> 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 um, I think 
But like, see, it's like the fringes of fringes of society. It's almost like this is where it's got to begin. It's got to begin in small groups. Like acceptance and tolerance has to begin in small groups of influential people or people who other people will listen to that breeds a sense of belonging and uh, sounds like a flipping um, sermon at church <laughs> but I feel Hallelujah. like Celtic is a club that, that you can be who you want to be and, and is this I mean sorry Keith, I'm, oh. I might actually ask you this in terms of because obviously Celtic's connection w- w- with the Catholic Church as well is is, is, is close and, and the background of it and you can say I want many things about the Catholic Church they might not be too progressive in the area of, of, of homosexuality yet, but do you think there's there's, but even so, Celtic is seen as a really progressive club. Yeah. Do you think? How do you think that came about? Um, I'd, I'd be honest. I would think that, especially with this current pope that we've got, that yeah. the the church is becoming much more accepting and much more progressive. Um, the pope himself. It, it might not can, might not can, I say this one's probably the best that I've ever heard or, or seen I think he's the most outward most he sets the best example that I've ever seen with our current Archbishop as well Archbishop Tartaglia in, in Glasgow as well I feel that it's a lot more open um, there'll be some things that, the, that they can't quite justify through their things but everybody's got their own personal faith so I might disagree with the church whereas my own education my own family my own upbringing lets me realise that look, gay people are, are gay I couldn't care less if a wee baby was brought up with a, a gay family as long as that baby's got love I know plenty of heterosexual families that kids are being brought up and they're just not treated properly so as long as that wane's got love in their life I couldn't care less about it what I was going to say was if it was the actual coming out of a footballer did they think that the um, the abuse that would receive through social media or the actual media in general would it be any worse than what people get just now through, through racism or just the actual sectarianism things like that because some of the abuse that people get is quite vile but would it be any stronger than it is? Can I just pick, oh, yeah, up, pick up one point? <coughs> just the point that you were making about, you know... Yeah, no, so it's... it's obviously... I mean, it's, it's not specifically to say... For me, it's... From from the outside, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I haven't been a part of, of Celtic or, or the Catholic Church at, at any point, I'd, you know, growing up. But for, from the outside, you kind of go, look, oh, here's a club that's really progressive, but also have close tie to, to a religion that on the outside at least, has a reputation for not being too progressive in, in the social issues. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think that um, obviously like mainline Europe, like your Italy's, your Spain's, etc., yeah. um, Catholicism is kind of the the monopoly in the country, whereas here it's the kind of disenfranchised, and obviously the disenfranchised go towards the more, a lot of the time, kind of equal social yeah. equality, etc. Uh, but I think that... The it's, move- it's not the establishment. Yeah, it's exactly. Establishment. Yeah. Um, I think the, the movement from Celtic fans, and this is just a personal opinion, I don't know, um, the movement from Celtic fans to being more accepting and more liberal in, in terms of social issues is their disconnection to the Catholic Church. 
from a from a, a from a generational position, I think that's true, and that that's not that any that's not to slight anyone. I know Keith is a um, a practicing Catholic, and you know we've got lots of friends who are, and I'm not saying that they're in any way not you know left leaning politically or whatever. But I think when you move away from that, that's when you become more accepting. As someone who's moved away from it myself, what do you think, Paul? You were raised yeah, a Catholic. well, it's like it's like faith, I guess. You know, I think it's it's like church and faith are separate things. And religion and faith are separate yeah, things. Yeah. And you but it's just I think you were trying to say as well, yeah, Keith. Yeah, like you can you can believe in God and and or believe in, in whatever you want to believe in, and it doesn't define your kind of worldview. You yeah. know, and I think a lot of people get quite a lot of um, comfort from faith or religion, and you know, God are entitled to that. You know, yeah. I mean, my, my entire family are um, practicing Catholics, but. Um, I I just I forget you know I, I guess as, as long as it doesn't in, impede anyone's kind of no I mean rights or no I believe kind of kind of went over on the tangent there but uh, yeah which is my fault sorry uh, but because <laughs> <laughs> but, but Keith had an interesting point in terms of and I kind of was going to notice to you as well Aaron you know David Cox and Kevin Beef came out and said you know he'd, he'd been quite open about his yeah. mental health issues but he's he began like the, some of the stuff he's been saying about really, the abuse he's been getting really from nasty. other players as well. Um, do you think something similar? If somebody slightly high profile, say in you know in, in League One in Scotland, would come out, you think they would get homophobic abuse from other players, or is it well, just one, going into an area where now would that's just one hundred percent, one hundred percent? And yeah. I'm not even sure that it would be abuse from a nasty way or a lack of I think it would just be abuse for the to wind people up yeah to, to try and gain an advantage more than else which is probably what has happened to David Cox as well and uh, I actually played with Cox at Annan many years ago and he's I mean he's got a nasty streak on the yeah. pitch as well so I think I think the abuse from within football mainly from a player's perspective anyway would be not around them being socially not progressive it would more be around them trying to gain an advantage or can, can I jump in because see like um, the whole idea of is it is there a kind of obviously you, you've played a, a, a really good level um, is there an idea that um, what is said on the pitch and what's done on the pitch is left there, is left there on the pitch and therefore I think for the most part yeah and I don't it doesn't make what's said acceptable in my view I agree I, I think that's pretty horrendous yeah, to I be think honest I, and I think that's a you know it's a really backward way to look at it that oh, if, we, if we say it yeah. oh, within these white lines and it makes it okay because it's absolutely not no at all. I think it's, it's, it's a re- I guess it's an interesting parallel there to, to racism on the field so you get somebody like you know I'm, I'm a Liverpool fan but like Luis Suarez yep. who obviously he would use any single advantage because he's just so desperate to win yep. he would try and wind people up even on you know Patrice Everant and, and things like that And he, but as, as you say do you think there is a shift from saying, okay, what happens on the ground, it happens on the pitch, stays on there, that's fair game, or are we now moving into a place where, like, you know, you can't actually use Absolutely. racist, I mean, homophobic terms? I've yet to play football since I shared my mental health story. And I, like David Cox says in his interview, if someone says something like that to me, I'm not going to all of a sudden think that isn't personal just because I, yeah. while I understand why they maybe think that's acceptable... Uh, and the Suarez thing as well morally it just doesn't really sit right with me that oh, exactly. because I'm so des- I've been desperate to win but yeah. I've never you know been racist or anything like that to players I've played against so I don't see how you know we can justify it by saying oh but it's just a desperation to win it shows you how how much he cares how much he wants to win how much he wants to gain an advantage and I think the difficulty for a player 
in terms of coming out as gay and the homophobia they would suffer would be disgusting if you know if someone who's played in the leagues like I know I have a rough idea of what would be said and what would happen and I can completely understand why players are completely would never or not never but at this moment in time I'm not even close to someone coming out because yeah. it would be so tough the only thing Paul should be slagged off for is, is the fact he likes big country <laughs> you like Father John do Misty I do I got a problem with that Emperor's <laughs> New Clothes mate I know yeah. terrible music I know. it's not terrible but it might, it might be you're saying Ryan Adams is better than Father oh, John oh definitely oh yeah I love Ryan Adams you're looking younger by the minute <laughs> <laughs> I liked uh, his, I, I liked his <laughs> aha reference earlier on to Buffer. Well done. Thanks. <laughs> I no, did research. <laughs> I, I think, but I think it is, as you say, I think we're a long way away, Aaron, but I also think there are positive steps. I think especially the bigger clubs in England as well, I think they quite have now presences in, in Pride marches. You know, you have the Rainbow Laces and I think they're probably, because uh, they're so global brands, you also do when they put something up saying, you know, Liverpool celebrating uh, gay pride, the negative comments you are get horrendous. underneath, but they're often very much from, and this is very much a stereotype as well, but from countries in you know African countries, Middle East countries, where that even somebody's coming out and saying, "Hey, celebrate homosexuality," is still oh, there's a very lot, much taboo. Oh, there's a lot of white British males oh, yes. on that. I mean, that's and, well, let's be honest. Do you, do, I'll, I'll put you on the spot. Do you think there is a difference? In the response, if, if Rangers put something out, well, like they do yeah. as a club, yeah, they, they put, they put the stuff out, thing, and yeah. they're quite open about it. You think on Twitter specifically, there's more of a negative reaction when Rangers does than Celtic? Absolutely, I do. I'm not saying all Celtic fans are openly uh, receptive to an equal society in terms of homo- homophobia or racism. I'm not saying that there are plenty scumbag Celtic fans out there. Absolutely, but I, I, I do think when one club has an ethos that says a club for everyone and another has an ethos that says only really for us any any club that champions the idea of we are the people it's it's going to make a, a close-minded um ideal of what supporters should accept and the whole idea of you know water smith with his brown brogues and his you know rangers tie and all that and by the way there's thousands of progressive rangers fans absolutely However, there's a Neanderthal section that really doesn't want to move with the times. And it's not even about moving with the times. It's about respecting people at the base level of just who they are. And and you, and you kind of touched upon it when we talked about the mental health issues. You do, I guess you have a new generation of, of coaches who cares about their players yeah. from almost, uh, you know, uh, almost from, from being a teacher in terms of that. You know, actually looking after their, you know, how they perform, but also outside of it. Yeah. So I presume it's it's it's, it's small steps, but I, I think even, you know, I, I'm old enough, Paul. You know, going back, so like even Four. when I grew up, in terms of you know, being gay or being you know openly gay was a lot more taboo than now. And I, yeah. I think you know my son's generation is going to look at it completely differently. The, the world, listen, the world is changing, like, this period, and this is going to sound a bit existential, but it really is, like, see, like, this year, you know, you look at, like, like sexuality is hardly even, hardly matters anymore, you know, yeah. like, like gender identity is, is huge, and, like, the world politics are just in such a mess, people are, like, emotions are just bubbling up so high, I think, at the moment, that it almost, it, people need to talk. I don't know what you think about this in terms of mental illness. Like, like it feels like it's 
This that's because we're so connected as well. You can just literally talk to thousands of people just by on your phone. Yeah, that, yeah. that as well. It's, it's, it's there's a platform that we didn't have ten years ago. Well, really, we didn't have ten years ago. That like Twitter, especially, I think, is just it's <laughs> it's for it's for everyone. And unfortunately, there's a lot of bigots and um, people Nazis. with yeah, yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. There is <laughs> there are, there are, Nazis are back, but then. Freedom of speech, you know. There's a, it's it's yeah. oh, it's a it's a it's a wormhole. Another pod. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise um, about Brian Clough until I read your oh. article. Yeah, with uh, Justin Fashner. Aye, um, and I didn't realise that Justin did actually went on to play for so many clubs. And it turns out that Hearts. Um, <laughs> Hearts and Airdrie was the other yeah. one. Um, one of my mates who um, works at the school. Um, he also runs uh, the Young Pumas Football in the Cope Ridge and Cam- uh, Cumbernauld areas. Excellent, my son goes to them, they're very good. Um, he was saying that he used to play with um, Justin. He was there for, I think it was 93, 94, and everybody treated him the same. He was just one of the guys, and there wasn't anything. And that was way back then. He thinks, I, I was asking him about it, why does he not think that people come out now? He says he doesn't understand... It, I think it would be more the social aspect from externally from the club because once you're in there, you're one of the, the team, you're one yeah. of the guys, and it's just that it's a family atmosphere. Maybe get the Mickey taking out you over some things, and that's just how people get on with it. But it seems to be the more the, the external bit. So it might be the you talked about the, the 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 pressure that you put upon yourself, pressure coming from externally, but social media as well. But that leaves me. That's it's kind of what I. Like to call like the Roman Polanski question. I mean, you're a fan, gal. Of, you know Roman Polanski's film, but can you can you look past well his in terms of his you know look behind you? Yeah. You've got there's a giant picture <laughs> yeah. of, of of Woody Allen, the scene from but Manhattan. Just, I'm, I'm I'm linking it with like saying like Brian Clough in terms of if you find that you know somebody that legend that what he did you know a genius of a football manager, but do you go back and hear stories about them in terms of? That and say mm, that that's tainted for me now. So I I I have this love of the ideal of what Brian Clough is. You know he you know he was went out fighting for uh, you know for labour. Tried to be, became a labour councillor. Um, you know he genuinely cared about you know workers' rights etc. Um, but he seemed to be a bit of a homophobe, a bit of a elements of racism there um, if you look at some of the stuff um, so I, I'm I'm more in love with the ideal of Brian Clough rather than the man himself having said that like I've, Ronnie, n- yeah. I've never met him so yeah. you know a lot of this stuff could have been taken out of context yeah it's, it's, that's yeah, I think sorry I, I think you make a good point I think it, it, I hate the phrase it was a different time but it but was it, yeah. how much of a mitigating factor do totally. you think that it was it was taboo like you say in those days um, for a black gay footballer, you know, um, yeah, I agree with you. Clough as a as a kind of tactician and as a, as as what he was to football, yeah, un, untouchable. But you know, you think if that happened now, yeah, would his reaction be different? You know, he would probably be put on some sort of you know awareness course or whatever yeah. it is. You know, you're you're hearing about politicians getting put on things like that. You know, for yeah. for other things, it it's just different. Thing, yeah, things are cha- things have changed so much since then, and it's it's regrettable how he reacted. Yeah, I think yeah. because Justin Fashion has been the only one real really. Yeah. I know like Hitzelsberger and yeah. Robbie Rogers have come out uh, you know since, but. Uh, Justin Fashion, you know, it was so long ago. You know? John, John Fashion, his brother, like totally. Yeah. But, 
disown them. Fucking them. threw them under the yeah. bus, man. So, you know, with that sort of support, we get. I can I can understand why you would. It would be something you'd not want to do. Well, last question, Paul. In terms of you talking about there and sitting in a stadium and saying, "Surely I can't be the only." gay person in the stadium you know there should be uh, as, as a subsection of society there should be you know quote unquote as many gay people in, in, in a football team as elsewhere but do you think that's because of that stigma over the last decades there will be fewer gay footballers just because especially professional ones because mm. you kind of look at it and go no I don't want to put up with that and you just kind of you could have had a lot of more gay footballers if there hadn't been for the yeah the struggles think, they would have had. I think they probably, I think they they would do that thing where they would just kind of get through their career like Hasselberger yeah. did, yeah. just not even tough it out because I'm sure playing football as a career if it's something you love doing at that level and you're good enough, you yeah. know, yeah, and you're good enough, then you know you you can kind of do it for as long as you want or as long as you're able to, and then focus on yourself afterwards. But then I guess that goes against. What we were talking about with Aaron earlier, where you kind of need like self care is crucial yep. nowadays. And what you know, what would have happened if Hitzelsberger had come out five years previous? Maybe when he was playing for Villa or something. It's like a that, big economic know? decision because you kind of go like you're, you're on a path of setting yourself for life, and then boy, if you're 22, 23, go hold your hands up saying, "Oh, I'm gay." Yeah, but something must be questioned. You know, there must be a thing though where you know you'd get a lot of and, and oh. I mean, I mean, this is going to sound really cynical, but if you came out as the first gay footballer and you were a top top level footballer, you'd get a lot of sponsorship stuff yeah, and all that. Like yeah. you, you would be a lot of benefits to coming out, of it. and and it would it would mean so much for for minorities. You know, not just gay people. It means so much for minorities if there was a, an out gay. Well, that's that opportunity for someone to be the trailblazer. Yeah, that's it. Genuinely, and someone to to really make a huge impact on. You know the world going forward, but yeah. in terms of football, but I mean, I would, I would imagine within the confines of your own changing room, you would get extra support, extra backing by ninety nine percent of your fellow pros and fellow colleagues. But I mean, I'm, I do think we are a while away. But I'd love that at some point in my lifetime that there would be that trailblazer because it's just like Christian says. I mean, socially, it's there's got to be loads. Just in terms of the numbers, it seems to be just male football as well. Because if you think of other, well, maybe rugby as well. It was uh, Gareth, yeah, Thomas, Gareth Thomas, Gareth yeah. Thomas his name? came out, but that was after he'd retired as well. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, just when I was doing my, my nose to see who had actually came out was there any footballers while still playing apart from Fashner I couldn't find any but there's um, one of the ladies for the US women's national team has got a big sponsorship deal yeah. and she's came out so when you think of other British uh, sports personalities Tom uh, Daly, Daly. Tom Daly yeah. um, Nicola who's a boxer she's Nicola Adams Nicola Adams she's bisexual We've Colin got Jackson. role models as well for for the minorities, as you were saying, but they just don't seem to permeate into football for yeah. some reason. I don't know and, what it is. And, and as you say, it's it would be good to see it. I'm going to say in our lifetime, but at least soon as well. And, and you kind of hope it's going to be a, a club like Celtic. Oh, it would be because, great if it was a Celtic. Like selfishly, I would absolutely love it if one of our players came out. You know, it would be. Ah, it would just, it would, it would just everything the club's about, you know. And if the, I, mean, I do believe the, I mean, genuinely, I hear so little homophobia at Celtic Park. Maybe it's just where I sit, 
but I just don't hear it. It definitely happens, but I just don't hear it. Um, and I feel, yeah, I think the fans would have their back. Yeah, I, think, I really know, do. Scott yeah. Brown is your captain. Brendan Rodgers is your manager. You know, like how can you? How could it? How could it feel? It could definitely feel. But you know, you, you would have the backing. You would have the backing. You definitely would. Can I make one point? Um, what a name Hope Solo is, by the way. That's the uh, American uh, women's uh, champ Goal. uh, goalkeeping. Goalkeeper, goalkeeper yeah. yeah. Also, Paul. Final question. Favorite mm-hmm. pavement album? Is Wowie Zowie. Correct. Okay, Correct. moving Finally. on. Maybe <laughs> on something. So yeah, no. Um, we had a few articles, obviously, in in, in terms of the last cynical and. Maybe talking about, you know, Celtic uh, and other clubs in terms of the political history that the community links. Um, Dominic O'Hagan's story on Desmond. Um, I completely forgot his last name. First, Dermis Desmond. Bloody hell. Uh, in terms of why Celtic fans should actually welcome the focus on, on his tax affairs. You had the... Uh, Correct, yes. Yes. Yes, we can't be hypocrites now, can we? No. We need to, we need to be front and centre. <laughs> you should read that. I did read that. Okay. Uh, Rory Pierce on Union Berlin. Um, Ryan Clark on the fan ownership and links with local community in Irish football. Yeah, um, I, 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 I think we've talked a lot. A lot. Gal, what's the running? One one and a half hour around now? We're at one thirty-five. But myself and Paul, so if, we if, 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 if you're still listening, well done. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to spend a lot more time in terms of some of the articles. I don't think we have that much time left, but I kind of want to do touch upon there's another um regular column we have about just playing football uh and it's 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 paddy solich he was on the last cynical feature he he does a column about his being a left back in his village reserve team i uh, Pat, it, he is he's some boy by it, the way it, it, he's, he's amazing and his articles are generally laugh out loud funny so if you haven't yeah He's he, some boy, by the way. He's, he's well into his music as well. So uh, I thought it was too. hilarious. I was busting laughing reading it. It's, it's, it's like it's like a novel. Yeah, <laughs> I, I call him the Bill Bryson of the the Yorkshire Amateur Football League. <laughs> so, um, no, he's good. Um, myself had an article about uh, cold teams and how and you know reserve team. You know we call them reserve teams in Norway in terms of your, your second team plays in. Um, you know, in the lower leagues, and it's been like that for 25, almost 30 years. They're bringing years. back the Reserve League. That was announced recently, wasn't it? That's, yep. That doesn't sound good, to be honest with you. Yep. But in terms of having a, a junior footballer here, or maybe a next one, maybe, ju- maybe, a, maybe a future Junior one. footballers have, ag- oh. it's been agreed that they're going to enter into the pyramid system. Mm-hmm. So, oh, is this? Uh, it's, I've yes. missed this. Yeah. So, Aaron, talk it's cold teams. And do you want a closer connection between the junior and, and senior football? Well, so that, just well yeah. <laughs> just opinion, just well, region. There was a, a vote, I think 128, somewhere along that region, junior teams in the country, maybe 150 actually. Um, but yeah, they basically voted 2-1 to one to join the pyramid. Um, so the logistics of that, given that we already have 42 senior clubs and then a lowland and a highland league with 20 odd clubs each and then you're asking another 100 and however many it is so for a country as small as 5 million people it feels like far too many clubs to be in a pyramid system to be honest we'll have a team each at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it, does, it does feel a bit like that so we might get a game <laughs> my concern then is for the kind of smaller junior clubs the more regional clubs and that what happens with them and that's a fair point but I also I've also coming from abroad and, here and, and just getting my head around the whole junior football concept whereas you have this separate kind of organisation where there's yeah. so much local 
interesting community you know you know been down to see Pollock a couple of times as well and and they're really well supported clubs even seems to be more interest around them than actual lower league clubs I think I think you do find that and especially the kind of top tier of junior football where Pollock and Arthurley and the south side and Ayrshire you know Paul maybe you know growing Irvin, up yeah. Irvin Meadow where I was and a few other clubs down there Auckland Lake Talbot Glen Afton like massively well supported um, and I think a lot of that comes from you know sound like mining communities when these clubs were first started especially yeah. in Ayrshire and these people are you know that's just so community based and they're coming from 2,000 3,000 people towns that that's just their club and they s- most of them support Rangers on the side and don't have the bus fare but in all seriousness the community values especially down in the deepest darkest years are what drives that and I think that there'll be a lot of junior fans will be really disappointed with this vote because it sees their clubs come or may see their clubs come into the norm and I don't think they're gonna I don't think they'll like that. I think they'll lose a bit of their soul from that. Clyde Bank and stuff, what yeah. the opportunity to get back in the top So I think it's different to them given that they were a senior. Yeah, club yeah. Ran I, I think they released a statement saying it's you know, they're gonna dominate yeah. life. And do you think that <laughs> feeling among the junior clubs saying mm, that might lead to our demises why so many lower league clubs in the SPFL doesn't want the call team thing. Well, do you think, I mean, I don't know, I, 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 this is just a kind of rhetorical question, but do you think more people go and see Pollock on a Saturday than, than go and see Queen's Park? Park? 100%. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'd, rather, I'd rather go and see Pollock because it's a different game. You know? Queen's yeah. Park, I, I, last time I went to see Queen's Park, I think it was about £13. Flipping heck. <sighs> I'm, I'm not paying that. And it's brilliant. It is, it's if only we could drink at the games, eh? Yeah. Well, you can go into locks oh, at half time. You know I, mean? I know. Um, and that was great. We did that when I was there. That's yeah. a first, yeah. tangent. I don't get to go out much. So <laughs> I, I remember. <laughs> but look, <laughs> listen. <laughs> Scottish football isn't a, a, a you know it's not the type of football where one a team would uh, overexpend themselves. Uh, and then go out of business to try and compete with the other teams. That's just not something that would happen here. And it hasn't ever <laughs> happened. Thanks, Chris. Um, I'll segue into the, There's an article we had in the, the cynical about Jamie Kilday uh, did it in terms of looking at uh, the split and the league split and the different kind of league structures uh, around the world. Um what do you think about the league? In terms of general, would you like to see a, a regionalised league and have two more teams in the top division I mean I like it in theory I like the sound of it 16, 18 team top league and then regionalised but it's, diff- it's a difficult one because I think the small I think you lose a bit of the well with the small clubs probably save money and travel costs and whatever else I think they probably they probably lose a bit of their identity by just being regionalised into you play the same 10 clubs every season or whatever so it's a tough one for me. I kind of sit on the fence. I'll probably change my mind if you ask me in a week's time. But I don't really like the idea of regionalised leagues, if I'm honest. See, next time you come on the pod, you need to have opinions that are really strong and just <laughs> bombastic and no grey areas. Or you do. And just go annoy at least half of Twitter. Oh, or what you can do is be like Christian, not really have a point, but talk for half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> That's I, my thing, so you can't. I that. think the biggest problem and the biggest issue with all of this stuff is the leadership within uh, at the top of Scottish football. Because from what one minute you've got uh, the SPL and then you've got the SPFL and who knows what it's going to be in three years' time. So if there's a complete shake-up in the league, it's all going to come down to money. And and the fact is, if we've got an 18-team league, league, 
is it really going to make the league better or is it just going to be much of this? Yeah, much of the, is it going to, um, you know, make it rubbisher? Ru- rubbisher? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to mention two more articles. I, I couldn't think of that. I can think <laughs> of a word. I'll, I'll mention two more articles uh, about we have on football and politics is Dougie Wright, who's more famous for his, his stat stuff. But, you know, um, Dougie actually studied politics. So he's done... Uh, an article on how the politics shaped the relationship between Celtic and Rangers. Dougie wrong. That's what I call him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't that's, actually. That's, anyway, that's I think yeah, I like D- Dougie's, Dougie's really nice. Um, and Ryan Clark again has uh, an actually an interesting look at what football and the national social, socialism in Nazi Germany. Um, that was a great article. Yeah, the, that was. It was it's, it's get, I, I'll, I'll, you know, I think it, it was slightly part of a bigger university thesis he did, but you know, it's, it, it was really interesting, fascinating. And in terms of the, um, especially because Norway is mentioned in it, but they, they, they played it down for. But it's interesting how essentially they're talking about how um, the Nazis couldn't kind of gave up on using football as a propaganda tool because they just couldn't control it. Yeah. And there was so much rebellion. And uh, we've had Andy Duggan come on and talk about that point as well with his book and stuff. Um, exactly. I was going to mention Andy as well because for the last five, six issues, we've been having extracts from Andy's book about the Lisbon Lions. Yeah. We, we got to the to the final. Uh, we? Ho, ho! I'm a Liverpool fan. I love <laughs> Liverpool. I meant as in we in, 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 in addition, but... Um, that was the one in Lisbon. Fortunately, Celtic lost that one. But uh, they, they got through there. Won the FA Cup. Um, but even, a big time to Andy. Don't even joke about that. because. <laughs> <laughs> but Andy also did a book about uh, the season that stopped 10 in a row. So we might try and get him on. Soon he also did a book about, about Robert De Niro. He's still a book about Martin Scorsese. And Martin Scorsese, uh, yeah. We should have him on. He's Martin Scorsese, the famous song by... Do you like wedding present or no. half biscuit or something like that? No, yeah. keep going. I'll, I'll move on. Um, there's a couple of other articles. There's the interview with uh, Stevie Grieve. You seem to have read all these, Paul. I read, I read uh, them all. Did you like that one? Uh, the Stevie Grieve one, right? Because the King like Missile Ten. Never heard of them. Uh, I'll send you the link, man. Unbelievable. Uh, remind me what that article. That's the was one I question. wrote, Paul. So. <laughs> About goalkeepers. No, I wrote that one as well. Did you like that one? Did yes. you read it? <laughs> yeah, I, I have I have some things to say on that. Steve Grieve was the... Oh, it was the uh, punditry one. Was that that one? Yeah. That's a nice segue. Right. Um, Pundits in Scottish, Scottish football especially. What's uh, your take? And not that <coughs> you might uh, no, run no, into I I, some I'm, job. I'm going to just be <laughs> quite uh, trickily. No, I think there are some good ones. I think there are some not so good ones. <laughs> uh, I'm going to talk about the one I like the most. Okay. Which is Michael Stewart. Yeah, because he's the best. I think, I think, I think being that forthright and with your opinions about football and just absolutely sticking to your guns is, <laughs> is, is, is... I think there's quite a lot of pundits who maybe don't want to go down that road and maybe want to just analyse rather than have opinions about things. And personally, I would rather hear opinions about things, even if I think they're bad opinions. Yeah. I'd still rather hear them. I think it, Michael Stewart just talks common sense. A lot of the stuff he says is just genuine common sense. And he cares a lot more than someone who's rent a quote, you know, like on yeah, that. Kind of he's got strong opinions, but I think he does it in. It does, it, as you say, he has them because he has them, not because, hey, I'm going to be. I'm going to Funny go on the trend. I'm, I'm, yeah. My name is Chris Sutton, and I'm going to just going to just try and do it for. You know, ah, but Sutton you know, is Sally Chris Sutton. Sutton, oh. Sutton, some boy. <laughs> but not go there. Sutton is some boy. <laughs> Aaron, Scottish pundits, you any? Again, strong? Michael Stewart, hands down, is the best. I think just 
you know, like you say, Paul sticks to his guns, and I don't think he does it for effect. I think it's purely no, it's Michael Stewart's opinion, and if you don't like it, you're entitled not to like it either. But and also from an an, an analysis point of view on football, I genuinely do agree with most of the time. Yeah, yeah, I do as well. That's a big thing. I for listen. A football I listen to the Sports Sound podcast every every day, every and day. he's the best thing about it. Uh, I, I, I like him a lot, Chris. That no, what a boy, by the way. What an absolute <laughs> boy. He's basically a professional wrestler cutting promos <laughs> every two minutes on Pat, Pat Nevin. Quite the music guy. I was, I was going like to talk about Pat. I, I feel like Pat's sort of disappeared from Scottish media. I haven't seen or heard of him for he's, a while. He's done in England quite a bit. Yeah, he was. He, he was live and stuff quite a lot. He or? was DJing, doing a DJ support set, uh, uh, supporting uh, what do you call them? Uh, Prominent Glasgow shoegaze band, um, Mogwai. No, uh, just like Honey. Oh, Jesus and Mary Chain. Supporting Jesus and Mary right. Chain. Weirdly, good for Jesus. Oh. Yeah, I, 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 I think Pat. I think Pat. I like. I like that intelligence as well of a guy like Pat Nevin. And I, a lot of folk maybe don't maybe think he's a wee bit vanilla, but I don't know. I think he something about Pat. He's got a bit of personality. I quite liked him as a player. He was a great player. He was a great player. Chris Armani loves him. He really, I, I, Chris, Chris is a big fan. Yeah, got all his uh, his DJ mixes and stuff. <laughs> Keith, it, 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 be a bit negative. Who don't you like? In Me. life in general, <laughs> <laughs> or pundit wise, um, I've got to say I don't have much time for. See, you're too nice. I would say like, you've got the Pampots and Clyde one. Derek Johnston. Derek Johnston's one. Who's Does the one that doesn't finish a sentence? Rob, uh, Dale. Gordon, Gordon Dale. Dale. I think. I don't mind Gordon utter, Dale, to be honest. Genuinely, I don't. Utter apologists for, for, for Rangers and they've made a living out of it. That's fine, though. I don't. See, the, the thing about, see the thing about a guy like no Gordon. There's no balance. But there's not supposed to be. See, it's a commercial radio station. They're there to you. People tune into Super Scoreboard to get annoyed, yeah. and it's a terrific. Good for them. Uh, they do terrific. That's you, their niche. In but the, the you market, don't. But. You, you don't phone and you don't. You don't listen to Super Scoreboard to get positive analytical uh, debates on football. You, you get not yet. We believe that's 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 maybe a, an area that they want to go to. Maybe introducing some more stats into the. Is it sound? Uh, <laughs> is it controversial to say Chris Commons is my least favourite? No, that's that's you're correct. <laughs> well, do you think that some some players that you know when they finish they they kind of want to just be a, almost a pantomime villain? That's what Chris Sutton is, and he yeah. stood out. Chris Chris Sutton never would have got a gig. He never Chris Sutton was on Match of the Day, right? And the reason Chris Sutton was been on Match of the Day is because of his persona. Chris Sutton isn't liked in England because he refused to play for the, the BMA Internationals. Every time you hear a podcast and they talk about segments like that, they always slag him off. They, they slag him off because he played for Chelsea and he didn't score any goals in one season. You know, neither did Kazaragi, right? The fact is, Chris Sutton has created a character. He ha- um, See, when I said he's like a wrestler cutting promos, I'm not actually joking in any way. He's an entertainer. And he's Bobby the Brain Heenan. That's exactly what he is. <laughs> and, and good for him, because... Uh, what a boy, by the way. Oof, what a, Headers. Headers? Are you, is it headers you want? I'm going to move on. <laughs> um, I'm meeting my girlfriend in the pub in 13 minutes. Can we hurry up? 
If it's, nobody's never. I haven't met his girlfriend yet. I have met. Oh, have you? Yeah. Okay. Okay. She's brilliant. Why? Why do you need to do your girlfriend to Paul or not? Because yeah. Paul's an actual friend. Unlike you, you're just a colleague. <laughs> <laughs> you're a work oh, colleague. Fine. That's not why. That, that's not why he says. Oh, by the way, guess. On, by the way. Aaron's coming to the pub to meet me. <laughs> <laughs> me, Aaron, and Paul are going to the pub to meet Claire. You guys are on your pod. I get an invite to those board game nights. That's very fine. Uh, we're going to end. By the way, if you're still listening to this, well done. Because um, I think we're close to two hours. One hour and fifty minutes. Oh, that's good. I want to end on the last article. Um, Graham McKay wrote. Oh, Graham, I, my guy. Like, okay. e, like Ian McKay. Okay, sorry, Graham. Uh, he lives in Jersey now, anyway. But I think it's uh, you know it's he, he gets his moods and he, he writes something about you know he, he goes a bit dark and he's gone a bit darker. He's kind of not slagging off the Celtic away fans or Celtic fans by saying that. And you know this, you know the the reputation of Celtic fans is obviously very good, especially abroad away fans. But he's kind of saying they're, they're kind of turning into the Tartan Army, like the Irish football national team supporters, where there's just like a bigger sing-along supporter team, no matter what. But that they should actually show a bit of tough love to the to the players. And we win all the time. Well, not in Europe. Well, Europe's different. Well, I, you I, think it might, well, essentially, what do you want them to boo them off the pitch? But well, essentially, saying you know, he's, it obviously he's, he's, he lives in Germany, and there's 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 also a section that that sings no matter what, and they sing and sing and sing. You know, even no matter what happens at the pitch, should the crowd be a bit tougher on the Celtic team sometimes? No, or? okay, it's called support. That's okay. what you do. Listen, I'm not. There's a difference. See, see, when it comes to football, right? You support your team. Now, if there's something wrong in the boardroom. Or there's something wrong with how the club's been run. Absolutely, you, you, you can. In my opinion, you need to do something. You know, Celtic almost, you know, had horrendous um, political strife, um, uh, economic strife. The, the club reacted right. When it comes to losing to Zenit, do you think the Celtic fans should have booed the, the support? I, I, listen, I, I'm I'm all for, I'm I'm all for one I'm I'm all for criticizing the team, right? But there's a time and the place, and I I don't think that's the time on the place. If Celtic perform badly at home, if we draw, if if we play, if we don't give our all, then it's different from losing. So, I think more what Graham's talking about would be like the the absolute drubbins that we've had from Barcelona and PSG so like 7-0 should we still be singing our hearts out throughout that humiliation which even though they're some of the best sides that play some of the best football you've ever seen there's still a humiliation being beat by 7 goals should there be something done well, so by boo the them. team so boo them not boo them maybe not Sing your hearts out and be the be cheap. They've paid. They've paid all their money to go there to travel there. They can do what they want. By all means, (laughs) it's up to the manager to deal with that. I don't think it's up to the fans to deal with that. Um, I wouldn't boo Celtic unless I've never been. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't boo them. I just think. I think when the fans get negative, it never ends well. I think. Yeah, I mean, performances in Europe away have been atrocious for so long. See, when we lost five 0 to St Mirren when Tony Mowbray gets sacked. No one was singing and cheering then, because that that was the right time to actually voice your opinion. I I don't think we qualified for the Champions League group stage. We took a doing. 
so did lots of teams. We get more points. We qualified for the Europa League. You can't look at individual games and say this shouldn't happen because that's just a level. The fact is, we should we should have been we should we, are, we should be applauding the team with the fact that we got there. Um, and listen, I understand what Graham's saying. I understand it is humiliating, and I was not happy. Don't get me wrong; mm. I was kicking the wall. It, but the fact that kicking the wall is after, I'm going to start using it. Mm. I was kicking the wall, but to boo to to go all the way to Barcelona to boo your team, I just think it's a bit. Pfft. I know Christian would do it. This is not good enough. <laughs> I, I I must speak to the manager. At, well, you're German and then you're Italian. I, know. I don't know. Apologies. I was French the one time you weren't. I'm sorry, man. I really am. <laughs> then you started with the Dutch thing. I know thing. I don't have a non-descriptive European accent, but I don't think. Listen, can we not have this up? I need to go. Okay, yeah, you got that girlfriend to get to. Um. Well, I, I will wrap it up to the couch. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank I you. think um, you know the two individual people as opposed to the not couch. anymore. Uh, that's either a ta- <laughs> that's either a tag team or a band. Follow this us is, on I mean, Twitter at the this couch. Should, <laughs> <laughs> this should be the next Celtic centre back pairing. Somebody you know, young, a striker and an old man with a broken leg. No, I'm, I'm, I'm the lustig in this. I'm a, I'm a, a clapped out right back. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Chris. <laughs> By the way, Clapped Out Right Back is a great name for a band. It's well. <laughs> <laughs> my favourite favourite album. <laughs> um, Aaron Connolly, thank you very much. Thank you, yes. Um, we hope you're going to write a lot more for us as uh, well. I do have a couple of things in the pipeline to share with you soon. So. Absolutely. Um, um, in terms of the you know the charity games and everything else in promotion, we'll, we'll put that yes, out through pl- the Twitter yeah, as well. But go and shameless plugging, as I said earlier. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but go and read Aaron's article and, and, and share it because it's, it's really good and it's really strong. Paul Collin, um, for an old man, you've done really well. You're still awake, and it's uh, yeah, it's bedtime. It's been that. <laughs> can, I, can I plug my band? So uh, please, absolutely. Sorry, right, I forgot to do it earlier, no. and they'll kill me if I don't. Um, please go and buy the seven-inch single by my band, Jotland Songs, on uh, the internet. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that was a real good video voice. <laughs> yeah, thanks. There's also a couple of songs. From the yeah, songs we've we've we've, we've, only, we've put out a, a seven inch, a really beautiful sort of a pale blue seven inch single so far. But we're recording a record, hopefully late in the year, with um, Matt from the band Hookworms, who are yeah, Hookworms. Hookworms are good. Oh, Chris, look for me. Really? Yeah, we're going to make an album with him. Wow! Um, so that will come out. Well, I don't know when it'll come out, but we'll record it. I saw Hookworms about two years ago in stereo, and it was one of the best gigs I've been to in quite a while. That's so, awesome, man. Yeah. Their new album's terrific as well. Yeah, it's very good. Oh, that's so, awesome. Thanks for letting me do that. That's fine. Thank you very much for coming on. You're both more than welcome to come back at uh, any other time. Quite frank, probably be an improvement. I so. look forward to, to reading Paul's first piece about um, ageism. <laughs> ages in the podcast. <laughs> oh, I've got a lot to say about that. It's just because we're the same age, so I need to. Assert yourself. <laughs> feeling better about myself. Give my guinty. Sorry, Gareth Keane. Thank you very much for uh, Thanks, coming boss. on. Yes, boss. Um, Give the assistant editor. Uh, sorry, assistant to the editor of, of the cynical house. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. But no, it's good to see you again. And yourself. Yeah, Looking it's good been as good always. Fun. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Some great conversations. I think this will go down well. To my co-host, uh, Chris Gallagher. We're going to have words after this podcast. We always have words. They're usually nice and cosy ones words. and nothing like the ones you say to me on the podcast. So. Uh, Christian Wolf, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Um, thanks everyone involved. Um, uh, 90minutesynic.com, at 90minutesynic on Twitter for all our details and dates. And uh, yeah, we're the 90 Minute Cynic and we'll speak to you down the road.
Thank you. 